This podcast is brought to you by Wondershare Filmora 13. Use offer code SENGWF44 to get $5 off the software now. And this podcast is also brought to you by the awesome ZimaCube personal cloud server. Use the links in the description to support the channel and check out that product. And then it is also brought to you by Tasty Vite Ramen. Use offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% off their high-protein, healthy ramen. And we'll talk about these sponsors in far more detail later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today I am joined by somebody that, as far as I can tell, the last time he was on was will literally be exactly a year ago. I think it, this episode should come out November 14th. And the last time you were on was November 14th. And it's actually the most popular episode of Broken Silicon we've had, which I remember talking to you about that offline. Like, have you been sharing this a lot or what's going on? Because did, for some I, reason... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't shared it at all. I, I just, you know, I just jumped on and I think the viewers, uh, maybe it was a different opinion, but like a lot of it, I maybe mean, in hindsight, a lot of it was bang on the money from, you know, tech. Yes. Like a lot, a lot of people messaged me after and said like, dude, you know, you ended up being spot on and whatnot. And, uh, I think it was kind of like, I, I don't know, like I just call it how I see it. And so when I look at industry and versus leaks, I just look at industry. So you're going to get a different opinion as opposed to what you hear with your sources and whatnot, as opposed to me, just I analyze things. Okay, they're a business. They're here to make money. What decisions are they going to pull? And so, yeah, I guess a lot of people just wanted to come in and tune in and, and get the tech yes opinion. Well, it was going, yeah, I mean, it was going crazy even before a lot of those products came out that we talked about. Uh, honest to God, my assumption is I just think sometimes this happens. In the title, there was 4080, 7900 XTX, and I think holiday shopping advice, which I know you do a lot. And so then it also had Tech Yes City. And I, I just think there was some magic combination of words there at a certain point, too, because, or, you know, who knows? I mean, there is something with some episodes and some pieces of content where I think it just hits the nail on the head in a few directions for a few types of people and keeps getting recommended. And something with the YouTube algorithm goes, people like this. I don't think it's just the algorithm. I think people blame algorithms way too much, but I think there's something like it was the exact combination of what people were interested in for about a year or something. Yeah. I mean, when you boil it down, I I've always got a different opinion on what the real, like on the streets opinions are. Cause I, I sell a lot of gaming PCs. I talk to a lot of guys who are constantly selling gaming PCs and whatnot. So I can give you a different perspective on what's really going on. For instance, in Australia, like mm -hmm. right now I, I'm getting told by everyone. And I know this myself, you, you know, sell a gaming PC. It's got to have an RTX card in it and a GTX mm -hmm. at the very least. And so if you've got a Radeon card in there in Australia, your PC is just going to sit there. No one's going to mm -hmm. buy it. And that's just like, it's not when you look at it, right? All these people are going to school and whatnot. And they're telling all their mates, make sure you got NVIDIA on there. You got, you know, reflex on and all this stuff. And then that word spreads around. And it's like, for me, I don't, like, I'm just a single dude in the market, a single player. I'm not going to change the game. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to sell 
gaming PCs with RTX in them. I think. <laughs> Which you do sell a lot of PCs that you build and sell yourself, right? In addition to doing YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole. So you synergy. really see the trends firsthand. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. So I mean, in Australia, Christmas season's picking up, but a lot of people don't have a lot of money for the high end stuff. It's like it's either at the moment RTX forty ninety on the high end or nothing, and then you're going mm -hmm. for like just a cheaper PC. So there's that sort of dead zone now that exists and the 4080 i think sitting right in the middle of that dead zone like it's it's just a car that's not moving and <laughs> then you go down okay you got your 4070 and then that's more attractive to a lot of people and the 4070 ti is kind of on the border there of being a car that's not so popular even though the 4070 ti is probably my favorite card of the whole uh generation from rtx 4000 versus even 7000 and we've actually got a good video coming out on RX 7000 series. There's, mm. there's a problem with that architecture, man. There's a problem with it. And 10 months later, you've still got that high power consumption on watching YouTube videos. You've still got high power consumption on 360 hertz monitors. And of course, that's going to span to the newer monitors if people are using 500 hertz and whatnot. So you've got problems there that exist on that. And it's, I, I believe it's hardware-based now because it's been 10 months and they haven't patched it. And that's mm -hmm. a long time to patch just a simple power consumption problem, right? So there's something going on there, and it exists on the 7800 XT, it exists on the 7900 XT, the 7900 XTX. So have you had any word on that? Like, do you know what the exact, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, basically, I've just seen across the board, and I think, you know, just from my perspective, um, I was waiting to see how each different RDNA 3 product panned out in practice. You know, first the 7900 XT and XTX came out, and those were five and six nanometer chiplet designs. They seemed about 20% worse than was planned for at their power consumption levels. And then it was like, well, Phoenix is monolithic, four nanometer APU. Let's see how this pans out. Seemed about 20% worse than what AMD was telling their partners in like mid to early 2022. Then Monolithic 7600 comes out, same thing. There's this weird, consistent, a bit weaker than expected. And you can go like look at old presentations and roadmaps from AMD, and it's, it's so consistent. I think there's no way around it. RDNA 3 had, and everything has hardware bugs. Everything has something that's imperfect, and then they program around it. But there's something with RDNA 3 that just did not pan out. And actually... God, I don't know. It was like in the first half of this year, there were a series of videos I put out where I asked people, um, I guess I won't, I, I have to be careful how much I say about at least one of the individuals. I mean, this was someone who worked on it directly so that up until the last minute, there was this hardware issue they ran into. And when you develop a graphics card, you know, you plan it, the, you plan the overall architecture, then there's a team that does a hard design and tests it. And there's always something weird when you're doing the final testing, like maybe you'll have artifacts pop up or extra screen tearing or, and that stuff where you go, well, once the drivers are done, that'll be fixed. And this person said, in the last few months, it was not fixed. <laughs> there was something where there was both artifact, there was a, yeah, there was a bunch of artifacts that would show up after sustained gaming that they thought was just an unusual thing you can get rid of that would not go away. And then, I mean, they wanted to launch, I was told, RDNA 3 before Black Friday. They ended up launching, I think, 
was it like December 15th? That's a really bizarre date to launch a graphics card. And it's because they could not fix it. They had to do these last minute software fixes and the performance was never quite where they wanted it to be. And you can see that. You can just see that's clearly what's happened here with their weird messaging. Frankly, their end performance literally not being what they said it would be. And, you know, I'll, I'll put links in the description, you know, around and put some stuff on screen for those kind of deep dives into it. But it, it just did consistently turn out about 20% worse than expected. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at, so you, you're talking about, so this comes back to their marketing. Uh, like, is it 20% worse than expected or is it their marketing overhyped the product? So there you got that factor. But then also, if you look at their other slides, you sent me the slides with the roadmaps and how they, Apparently, with Ryzen 7000, they said they got 14% IPC. I, I tested it myself. I came up with about 3% IPC. Well, they said 8%, then 13%, and now 14%. And on that one, all I would say is, I mean, you can kind of claim there's a lot of wiggle room in IPC. It's 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 not a science, you know? For me, it's around a true 3%. It was the clock speeds at Ryzen 7000 and the new node where they really gained the benefits over 5,000. And so if they're, you know, if they're lying about, I always say that they're lying about one thing, they gonna be lying about other things. And so I just see it. And they're lucky in the CPU division that Intel's just literally coming up with mulligans, just uh, one after the other. Like, you know, you saw Pat Gelsinger on the thing. Oh, we're going to change the game. And then they literally just put a new number on a CPU, which I've still got to review. Like the 4900K, I've still got to get into it. It's just, it's, I've been so unpassionate or like low passion to review that and so i've been doing things that i've been mm. passionate about and like that's their competitor in the cpu division but then you look at nvidia it's a completely different beast nvidia doesn't let up mm-hmm. so you want to compete with nvidia you've got to constantly bring the gains you've got to not slip up you've got to constantly be on your game to compete with them and so you're seeing that that different trend that's taking place intel sort of dropping the ball and yeah. AMD, AMD's beating them out easily. But then when it comes to NVIDIA, they, 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 they lose it. Like the last time I checked the Steam survey charts, NVIDIA's just going up again. <laughs> it's just like... Well, from what I've seen in the high-end, uh, AMD's sales are actually better than RDNA 2 relative to NVIDIA. I mean, I don't know if in absolute numbers, they're probably lower than the an absolute because of the shortages that happened during RDNA 2. But in the low end, NVIDIA is stu- still doing very well. And I can't help but think that if NVIDIA was just a bit more aggressive, and I think NVIDIA knows this, they can take the market right back as hard as they want to. But they don't need to be aggressive because they got Well, so AI is much... more important yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to go on to that, right? You got the AI customer with big pockets. Of course, they're going to be, you know, sending as much silicon there versus the gamer. They don't care. Like, at the end of the day, even Jensen doesn't have a say on where the silicon goes. It's mm-hmm. the shareholders. So... At the end of the day, people are, oh, this and this and that and this and that. No, NVIDIA is just going to focus on where the most profit is. And right now, that's Mm -hmm. AI. So if there's shortages coming up, I I wouldn't say it's so much shortages. I'd just say it's an over-demand from AI. And I think that in itself is most likely a bubble waiting to burst. It's just like the crypto. It just seems like there's this general trend now. There's just bubbles popping up everywhere and then they burst. Um, the crypto burst, you know, last year, and that was huge, right? GPU deals were coming up everywhere. I mean, there's still great GPU deals on the used market. Don't get me wrong, but even like even your high end stuff was really good. Now, 
you're seeing this trend where the 4090s are creeping up in price and they actually are. So mm-hmm. that's kind of concerning, but that's because obviously there's not enough silicon going around for 4090s to be, it's just heading to AI. I mean, there's also the China thing, the spanner and the China mm-hmm. works. How's that going to play out? I actually don't know. Uh, got no real idea. Are they redirecting all the, the 4090s over to China at the moment? Yes. Because they know they'll sell. They, they 100% are because mm. the ban actually doesn't go into effect for another four days. And so AIBs know if they shove everything into Hong Kong, people in Hong Kong can buy it, number one. And number two, smugglers will find a way to just sell it into mainland China. And they'll pay double the price. So they might as well send all of their cards into a market right now that'll pay more. And this is a market that may be hard to sell to next year. So they might as well just saturate it now. Exactly. And also people still want to buy in other places in the world and pay higher prices for it. So it's like it's a win-win-win for all the people in the process, so in the chain. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't like it, but that's just business. It's how it works. Business don't care about feelings. So, (laughs) Well, so let me throw this question in here. Quick Jumper writes in and says, Hi, Tom and Brian. Right now, it is increasingly sounding like the demand for AI cards is softening a bit again, with NVIDIA focusing more on the gate. Will, if the AI market softens, do you think NVIDIA will pivot right back into the gaming market again? Because if they don't, it seems like they're leaving an opening for AMD. Now, my answer is absolutely yes. Like right now, there's more money in AI, but I see the upcoming Super Series as a way for them to have a better lineup ready to go in case they need to just jump right back into gaming. I mean, how I see it is they've differentiated. NVIDIA is extremely smart when it comes to this because if you look at their top-selling GPUs, uh, America, you look at Japan, Australia, top-selling GPUs still a 3060. Mm-hmm. So you're utilizing silicon that I guess AI markets don't really want as much as the you know f- four or five nanometer, depends on what you want to call it. Um, it but that silicon's great for gamers, so they've still got those fabs going. Keep them pumped up. Why not? And NVIDIA, I mean, what are they going to compete against? Intel's arc is really, when you <laughs> when you boil it down, it's pathetic in terms of what silicon they can do for FPS. And then you got AMD. They're kind of just like really flat. I mean, 6,000. To me, RX 6,000 is actually more attractive than RX 7,000. And mm. Well, the 6,600 for like below 200 bucks is an insane bargain, I'd say. And so that's their competition right now. So the competitors have actually given NVIDIA the option to just have a a free reign in both markets, both AI and gaming. And so when you've got that happening, they're going to take advantage of it. That's just business, right? If you, if you can sell a PC, like for me locally, if I can sell a PC for 600 bucks and someone's willing to pay it, I know it's worth 500. Of course I'm going to sell for 600. They're willing to pay that. So it's just, it boils down to what the customer is willing to pay for it and what the competitor is doing. So if I don't have a competitor selling a PC for 600 bucks, they're, they're selling theirs for whatever. Like they're selling, they don't have a PC ready to go or they have a PC at $600. Mine's more attractive at $600. Of course, people are going to buy mine at $600, even though in other times, I'd probably only get $500 for that PC. So that's what's going on in the GPU market. Like the competitors have just let NVIDIA do what they want and they don't care. So <laughs> they just straight up don't care. So they're going to keep selling you 3060s. That's it. So that's how I, that's my take on the whole thing is like yeah they can bo- they can go back into gaming sure but they're already in gaming just due to the fact that the competitors just aren't providing enough hard competition. So well so 
I actually would want to pivot more into that arc thing because I had that on the list to talk about as well. And I think I know that you well, yeah, you tested arc uh, in July, I believe, is when you had this video come out. Now, since then, I've actually seen their drivers improve quite a bit, but. I got to admit, I, I saw people on the Moore's Laws of Discord talking about your ARC testing a couple months ago. I saw the thumbnail and I was like, I'll have to make sure I watch that before he comes on again. And I finally got around to it recently. And you pointed out some things that I wasn't aware of. Because like, I have an A770 that I would test occasionally, but I kind of refuse to put it in my main rig because I've heard it can like corrupt windows. And I'm just not letting that happen to a workstation that I depend on to do work on every day. But you said you even ran into weird things with it, like vertical screen tearing, which oh, is something yeah. I've never seen in my life. Yeah, I've never seen it before, too. So I'd, I just showed it on the video, vertical screen. I just screen, I was screen capping this. I was like, this is horrible. Like, what is this? And that was in The Last of Us, I remember. I was getting vertical screen tearing. I was like, what is going on with this GBU? Uh, so yeah, I had this, I, I sat down and just played games with this GPU, like Played it across a few different systems when I was testing it. Just really wanted to find out what the compatibility was like. And it's funny because it doesn't work. It works the worst with, say, an i7-6700 or before that generation. Mm. And that's like, that's an Intel CPU. Like, I'm thinking to myself, if I had an Intel CPU and I was getting a bit, like, my system's still fine. An i7-6700 will still play games absolutely fine. If you look at the top games that are being played Mm -hmm. by people, i7-6700, even though it's old, still play those games fine. And so you go out and buy an Arc GPU, thinking it's cheaper, it'd be a good upgrade to, say, my GTX 970 that I had at mm. the time, or my RX 570, which is no longer supported driver-wise, by the way, which is crazy that AMD should be doing the opposite. But we'll get onto that later, I guess. But you got these problems that are just mixing in to the fact that if you've got an Intel CPU, you would expect an Intel GPU to work really well with that product. And it was just a horrible experience for me. And I was like, well, this is going to be just my review on it. I don't, I don't care if someone's popped it in a brand new 7800X3D system and they're like, oh, wow, this is working pretty well. It's not my experience. That's, you know, if they've got that experience, they can go make a video. But I used this for a good, over a good month, just playing different games. And then that whole list was just the whole list that I came up with in terms of problems. And it's like, if you, you know, if I'm selling now that I know this, if I'm selling Mm -hmm. a gaming PC to someone, especially since I do mix and match all different kinds of hardware, I mix and match even like fourth gen systems with say GTX 1060s or 1070s, you know, arcs out of that. If I get a cheap arc, I'm not mixing it with that hardware. It's just not going to work. It's going to be problems. It's going to come back. And people are going to say, oh, you sold me a dud PC. And it's like, no, I didn't. It's just the Intel Arc drivers. That's all it is. So I, I have to rule that out. That's not an option for me on the, on the market to flip. And then I've got, we go on the higher end hardware. It's like, well, if you're doing this, you might come into vertical screen tearing. So it's like, uh, like, for me selling this PC to someone, I couldn't do it. Because if I was mm-hmm. buying a PC and I came into these issues, I'd be really livid. I'd be, you know, I'd be pissed off. And so it's like, why would I want to put that on someone? And so that's my review. It's like, don't buy this card. I just don't recommend it because it's just horrible. It was a horrible experience. And like mm-hmm. I said, I'd come back to it. Like we'll give it six months, see how it improves. And then we'll go again. I'll play it like in my spare time. I'll start booting up different games and having a crack at it. And then I'll come back to it again and just really take it through the paces. I mean, for me personally, it was a lot of it was uh, a lot of the crashing and stuff was either booting the game first time mm-hmm. 
or it was when you're alt-tabbing. And I alt-tab a lot. Like if I'm mm. sitting in a lobby waiting for a game to queue, a queue to pop, yeah. I'm going to alt-tab and do stuff. And so that was when a lot of the problems were happening too, was alt-tabbing and stuff. And then in that same time, I tried the RX uh, 7600 and that was really stable. That was good. So like my recommendations at the moment is like, okay, well, if you're just gaming, AMD is great value. The Radeon is great value, especially the 7600. I like the 7600, I like the 6700 XT the best. And the 6700, I think that's some of the AMD's best stuff. Mm-hmm. Use 6800 XT is great at the moment. So they got these GPUs that are really good there. You're one of the you- only people I've seen actually test the 6700 too. I think that's such an underrated card that, of course, AMD never marketed. But, you know... It's and the US, you can get that for almost 250 sometimes, and it has 10 gigabytes of RAM. I think it's been a killer for a while. It's a great card, man. And so it's just, yeah, like that, that's cards that I really like and I recommend to people. But of course, my recommendation then is if you're buying an AMD card, it's like, well, you got to look at your resale value too. Do you want to sell your PC in the next couple of years? And if that's the case, you might want to go with an NVIDIA card because you're going to get better resale value. And so there's a lot of factors that when I'm making recommendations play into it. But back to Intel Arc, it's like, I mean, if they keep this up, A, they're not going to be making GPUs anymore. Mm. And the resale value on that is going to be non-existent. No one's going to want to buy a dead card. Mm. So there's, there's all these factors at play. And it's like the only option for Intel to do it is to put more R&D into it, is to go hard on their drivers, is to open, like, you know, expand your GPU division, expand your employment, get more people on the driver teams, get more beta testers and whatnot. How's it the one dude on a YouTube channel is finding all these mistakes. Like, was it 10 months after it's launched? That, well, that just shouldn't be happening. It's period. And, and let's remember, it allegedly uses a, roughly the same architecture as what was in Tiger Lake and what that came out in like 2019. And Tiger Lake has all the same driver issues. And this is something that's been out for like three or four years. So that that's always been my main point too, is like, I don't think there's really room for an excuse. It would be like if RDNA 3 had some rdna3 apu for three years before the desktop series launched and it's still at issues i don't think there's an excuse for three years not one year to make this and and there's still a lot of problems there um i will say i've tested it recently and i i'm I'm being honest everything you're saying same issues i had i think i tested it a month or i i think before i even tested the a770 actually i think it's in the last episode we recorded i think i said to you in that one i haven't bothered to test it yet because i'm just going to give them an extra month too to see if that makes it better and then i tested it no it didn't work at all and then i tested it early last year after their first claim that they boosted performance and i found it was the same card with the same issues i will say i tested it a month ago and no game had issues booting or anything and performance was wildly up and i was like okay so They've done something here. Now, here's the thing, though. Yes, it works now. And I didn't use it 24-7 or something, so I can't claim I did that. But I did not run into one single issue in a whole day of using it. And it did perform a lot better. Like, But I have to point out, it really was so bad before. Like, in Battlefield 2042, it was performed... The A770, not the A580. The A770 was losing to a 3050 in battlefield 2042 and so sure now the performance is twice as good it still isn't better than a 3050 though and i found that there were like a couple games like mountain blade banner lord where it seemed to perform like a 3070 but still in metro exodus battlefield and a few other games it was closer to a 3050 than even a 6700 and i couldn't help but go 
it is improved, but I just don't see where the value is. You've got these $300 cards from them that are still basically a 6700 XT that uses more energy and randomly performs like a 3050, and they're A580. I don't know how you can argue that's a better value than really any of the AMD and NVIDIA cards around it. And so it's just a... I can't help but feel like ARC is just in this situation where it's almost impossible for anything else they do to be too little too late. I mean, we're talking about a product that hasn't had any real, like it's 2023 is almost over. There hasn't been a new generation. It seems abundantly, the OEM people I talk to say they know nothing about Battle Mage. Like in a year before Alchemist came out, they were like, we know everything. You know, they still have no idea what Battle Mage is, when it will be ready. So I think that makes it obviously a late next year launch. And so then we're going to what, after RDNA 4, like next to Blackwell again. I can't see how they can dig themselves out of this situation. They had the money before, but now they don't have the money is the difference too. So, well, this comes back to the saying, this is why with all these companies, especially in tech, talk is cheap. That's Mm. all I'm going to say. Talk is cheap. You can say you're going to do something, but when you actually do it, okay, that's when I'll make a video going, hey, this is a great product. You should go buy it. But yeah, talk is cheap. And so what you're seeing is, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You had Pat Gelsinger come out with his CPUs and we're going to change the world sort of thing. Intel is going to be back on top by 2025. And well, I mean, yeah, I mean, 2023 is almost over. So (laughs) you don't have a a lot of time there, mate, to make things really happen the way you want them to. So um, in my predictions with Intel, I see Pat Gelsinger getting replaced pretty Mm. soon. I see him getting replaced really soon. Uh, I think they're probably going to make that early 2024 just because of his performance and how the company's doing. You need someone who's much more on the go at the top of that company and who's really... It's more like, I guess, with companies where most their business and most their culture comes from Asia... Uh, you need the top-down thought. You need that top-down authority over there. That's how the system works. U.S. is much different. Australia is much different. But I've seen it in motion in Taiwan. You see, like when you look at Jensen, for instance, he's the top-down man. He's the authoritative figure, and he just he has clean reign over Nvidia. It works. It's a well-oiled machine. And like AMD and Nvidia should, I mean, so AMD and Intel should be looking at how they operate. You know, even getting trying to get some sort of secret info on how NVIDIA operates and just copy-paste that stuff. And that's just... Well, how it operates is uh, Jensen is the god king who seems to always make good calls. On Honestly, that's my impression is... And I actually had this asked on a broken silicon. The, so a, a question someone submitted was like, if of all of these companies, if they all lost their CEO, which one would be hurt the most? And I actually had someone from NVIDIA message me after that and go, we would be screwed if Jensen was gone, yes. to be clear. And so, so let's be clear about that, though. But with NVIDIA, like, okay, so people, maybe when I talk about top-down, people think, oh, it's such, such a bad thing. Absolutely not. If you, if every, invo- every NVIDIA employee I know is happy. Mm. Literally, dude. Every NVIDIA employee I know is happy. Uh, AMD has kind of been a mixed bag and same with Intel. It's been mixed bags. You meet these people and there's some of them are unhappy. Some of them are pretty happy. I mean, some of them are happy with their jobs, whatnot, but I'm not going to say any names. There's no way. I'm not going of course there, not. But, <laughs> but you see, everyone I've met at NVIDIA has always been happy. And so obviously there's a good culture there. There's a great culture and that expands to the products and the end product that you're getting. 
And so that relates back to the whole thing. You've got to be a well-oiled machine. And right now, NVIDIA is just the, the most well-oiled machine in the business. And it shows with their products. I mean, I don't like... I don't talk about this much on on my mm. channel or whatnot because I mean I don't know like you want the competitors to do better but I'm at the stage now where it's like no beat down the competitor point them out on their mistakes because they need to learn they can't keep getting away now the economic conditions now are so different to two three years ago mm. even it's so different to the point now where people don't want to hear any crap they want just the raw details the facts. They're sick of getting the uh, sugar coating on top and whatnot. People just want how uh, the real facts, how it really is. And so when I look at this, I'm just going to start telling people that, okay, if these products are bad, hammer them because <laughs> otherwise they're not going to improve. Not, I couldn't it, agree with you more on that, by the way. When I saw the cheerleading for ARC and I'm like, if NVIDIA, I was thinking, if NVIDIA or AMD launched a product that couldn't boot half of the games and use double the power consumption of the competition, the reviews would all be zeros out of tens and you're not helping Intel by telling yeah. them it's okay. No. Now, maybe double reward them if they fix it, but you can't tell them it's okay because that's not going to help competition at all. If you want them to improve, they need to know how bad it is. And I think in, Intel has been was very asleep at the wheel. Even when ARC was coming out, they were still asleep at the wheel at how bad the situation was. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. There's no participation awards in business. So that goes back to, okay, they've got to get on their game. And so you have all these people in the comment section like, yeah, go Intel, I'm routing for you. But the bottom line is when it comes to spending your money, when it comes to going to a shop, spending your money, and you see reviews like mine, you're like, might think twice about this. What else? Okay, I go buy an RX 7600. You go buy that and you got no problems. You're like, yeah, mm. that, that guy was right. Okay, I'm just going to trust him. And that, so that's like, for me, that's great, right? That's why I'm still around on YouTube because all these years, I just tell people how it is. But I'm going more into that now where I'm being, I'm going to be much more cynical. Uh, mm -hmm. That's just it. Because, and then of course, my, my passion for used is going to balance that out. So, on the new stuff, we're going to go much more, I think, negative and cynical. And then on the used stuff, we're just, just going to balance it out so I won't go crazy in the process. But <laughs> but that goes back to that thing. When it comes to spending your money, people are going to make much more of a weighted choice than they <laughs> ever did now. Because mm -hmm. I, I tell you what, Australia, man, people are struggling. Interest rates are going up. A lot of people are on variable mortgages here. And so you're seeing, like, mm -hmm. that's why I've been, my, my parts hunts have been absolutely phenomenal recently because that's where the pain, suffering, and people have to let go. You know, I got a Klipsch uh, audio, that was my birthday recently. I got a Klipsch audio, whole audio system, like uh, big Klipsch speakers, really nice amp. It's just right here. A Klipsch 12 inch sub. And this is like high end audio, dude. And I got this for like. USD wise, it'd be like 350 US dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like stuff that is insanely expensive. And so, it's just an absolute picking on the used market right now. You can just get mm. bargains, not just in tech, but everything. And so, I'm, I'm really loving it. And um, yeah, that goes back to sort of, yeah, people are really um, making much more weighted choices with what they buy. They're not, they're, again, they're going to cut out all the sugar coating. They're going to cut out all the crap. What's your product actually perform like? What am I spending now? And so all these decisions on everything now. So this is actually a good thing. And this is the one benefit. And what I've, I, mm. like, I, usually I speak uh, very negatively of inflation. But the only benefit is 
is that it forces, in this case, it's going to force innovation because people tighten up mm. and things get, so it forces innovation. Those who have to compete have to compete to survive. And so everyone's got to survive. And so innovation actually comes out of all this. Jesse and Maurice, my girlfriend's cat, don't really understand each other. But, you know, they are trying, and over time, they are really starting to merge their consciousness. Unlike many editing programs that can often feel like it's going in the opposite direction, fighting you and then getting more outdated, not smarter, by the year. Well, not Wondershare Filmora 13, it is not one of those editing programs, and it is a sponsor of this piece of content. Wondershare Filmora 13 is a video editor that content creators all over the world say and buy that's now enhanced by AI that helps you edit videos via Copilot integration, directly translate your text into editing actions, create thumbnails for you, and even generates music based on tracks from your own library. For video editing beginners, Filmora 13 is simple and easy to learn to use, and you can make a professional video with minimal time and effort if you use it, but then for editing intermediates, Filmora 13 has a wide range of powerful AI-enhanced features that speed up your editing and facilitate efficiently creating a high-quality content as quickly as possible. Support Moore's Law is Dead by clicking on the link in the description and using that offer code on screen. And remember that just simply clicking on these links helps Moore's Law is Dead tremendously and downloading the software helps even more. Try out Wondershare Filmora 13 today. So I actually though want to pivot into this subject here. Okay, it's yeah. funny, the last time we talked, one of the subjects was Zen 5 versus Arrow Lake. But it's becoming increasingly obvious now that, and we've talked about this, everything seems to come out late from Intel. It seems like Zen 5 is going to end up competing with Raptor Lake Refresh early next year. Like that is pretty clearly what's going on. Like this, they, why, you know, and I, this is a thing I've seen a lot of people say a few months ago, like, why are they even bothering the 14th gen? And my answer is it's because this is what they've got for another year and they needed to launch something new. And I'm just curious how you feel about just Intel's situation in general in that regard. Like, let's just say it's, you know, 15 to 25% faster. That's a pretty safe guess, frankly, about any new AMD architecture. Like, let's say that's what Zen 5 is that comes out. There'll probably be a few surprises in some apps. I actually think it's going to be really, really good in AVX workloads as well. And it's funny to note that Raptor Lake Refresh still doesn't support AVX 512. Um, how do you see Intel's how this panning out for Intel next year where they they seem to just have Meteor Lake all benchmarks coming out right now suggest Meteor Lake is just Raptor Lake with less power consumption and it seems like AMD is just going to have Zen 5 against what Intel has now for about a year like how do you think that's going to turn out for them and cuz I think I think a lot of people might be underestimating like how this could look like Zen 3 versus Comet Lake all over again or something it's going to be an absolute beatdown for Intel. That's uh, They're going to get a beatdown. And that's, again, it comes back to their product. What have they got? Now, in terms of the new stuff, um, again, you can see going back to the, the economic conditions, you can see what's selling. It's all you know, $300. Now, why do you think the 7800X3D went down in price? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it, price is selling, not so much the new architectures. And so Intel needs that margin and that revenue more than ever. And that's the opposite to what the market wants. And so AMD's got that already covered with pretty much their whole lineup, AM4 to AM5 now. They've got the whole lineup covered. Then they've got a new performance king coming out. 
the uh, Intel doesn't have an answer for. It's just, again, it's an absolute beatdown that Intel's going to experience next year. And so, again, you have to innovate. You have to put up. You have to put up the goods. Now, you can't fool anyone. No one's being fooled anymore, especially what the high inflationary environment we're going into. No one's being fooled. People are tired. People are sick of crap. They just want, like, they, now they've got to work harder than ever, I guess. People are got to work harder for their money now, basically. So they're going to be spending it uh, much more wisely than they ever have. So, and I guess to add on to that, though, because it sounds like, you know, your opinion is just, well, I don't know. It's going to be a beat down. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a beat down, yeah. So maybe for another year, maybe 2025, they'll get their stuff together. Um, but how again, disastrous do you think this could be for, like, their health? Because when I looked through Intel's last earnings, it used to be that people said server is everything. It's really not for Intel anymore. Intel's lost so much server market share. They're at, like, $4 billion in server with basically 0% margin, by the way, on their server. And so AMD's getting to a point where they're almost to like 40% of the market share in server, but AMD's making margin. This is exactly what happened to Radeon against NVIDIA. NVIDIA had half of the market, but they were making way more money and they could just outspend AMD on better architectures. And then all that's left is client. I mean, all of their other segments is like hundreds of millions, not billions. All they have left is client and it seems like they're entirely exposed and competitive performance and client next year and the one year where they really can't afford to lose anymore. So I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Well, they're going to need another core two duo moment, man. So they better be working on that. They got to have something that just comes out and it's almost revolutionary, right? The power consumption, it just blows everyone away. The performance, the efficiency, everything. That's the only way they're getting out of this. So it's like, what if that up? doesn't happen until 2026? What would be your opinion? Well, it's a beat down until then, right? Stock prices will go down. They'll just they'll be hemorrhaging money, especially with interest rates. If they got to refinance their business loans, I mean, people aren't going to be putting up a, you know, a participation award for Intel. Those those awards are gone, man. So, um, those awards are out the door. So yeah, it's if they don't put up they're going to get a beat down. And that's the only thing. And so as long as it comes down, again, back to that saying we said earlier in the podcast, talk is cheap. Again, actually do it. Just release these products. That was really, that was Intel's like big moment for me. I just remember that. It was like the, the Core 2 Duo launch was like huge. I remember everyone in the tech scene talking about that back in the day. It was huge. It's like, wow, Intel just came out of nowhere with a complete, just huge innovation uh, step. And now they need to do the same thing. It needs to be, I mean, all the lake was kind of almost there, but the mm -hmm. power consumption was still really bad, in my opinion. So it's like they, they've got a lot of work to do. They've got to, they've got to revolutionize, man, especially. Well, I think we just hoped they were going to bring out an Alder Lake every one and a half years. And what happened is they brought out Alder Lake and then they were like, and hey, we're done. <laughs> like, like it's just, they've, they've basically been releasing Alder Lake Plus for three years now. Yeah, it's the same Intel like that's been running from Haswell. And it's it's not it's doesn't it's not gonna work now, man. Especially now that your competitors got money. They got they got proper R and D cash now. They threw the Hail Mary and it landed. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, they're they're not stopping up in the CPU department. <clears throat> but I, I was just always surprised how AMD even made a comeback. Mm -hmm. In a proper in a proper environment, Intel should have never slipped up. They just got mm. lazy and complacent. And it's like this slow train wreck in motion for Intel that's coming really back to bite them when they should have put their competitor out completely years ago by releasing mainstream 6 and 8 cores back in 2014. They should have just gone hard mm -hmm. and not even given Ryzen a chance to birth. 
Instead, what do they do? You know, AMD comes out with an eight core. You got a four core available. Of course, people are going to say, okay, what's the eight core? What can this do? You know, they want to check it out too. They want value. They've always wanted value. People always want value for their money. So, so I'm curious what you think about this. Benjamin Cannon writes and says, Brian, even if Arrow Lake, let's say, hypothetically, ends up with 10% better single threading performance than Zen 5 X3D, do you think that will be enough to make up for it in gaming if the P cores don't have hyper-threading? It's pretty uniform right now that they may be axing hyper-threading in Arrow Lake, but have a really good single-threading performance, still be eight big cores, 16 little cores. How big of a deal do you think that would be? And how much would that influence your recommendations if, like, let's say, Zen 5 is 16 cores with Vcash, but they're, like, 20% faster than what they got now, and then Arrow Lake doesn't have hyper-threading? So I think I think that's kind of actually my answer might be much different. I think it's actually top end gaming performance is kind of irrelevant, especially when you've got like you look at the five forty hertz monitors that have came out. No one cares about them. They're not selling like mm. those five forty hertz. No one no one cares. Two forty hertz is absolutely fine. So you got a stage now where it's like okay, value. Well, so what I'm looking at more yeah. from Intel is their value, and I think a lot of people actually, whether they consciously or unconsciously, know it they're looking at value too. And I think that unconscious element of knowingly buying a product and looking for value more than you've ever looked for value, that's coming into play now. That's really coming into play. And so if you're not providing value and what incorporates into value in a CPU, well, everything, your motherboard costs, your support, your stability, especially your efficiency now, all eyes Mm -hmm. are on efficiency with Intel, okay. And of course, your performance for that efficiency. So that's the big things that they have to hit. Can they get an eight core, 16 threaded CPU out that competes with the even the 5700X? I mean, that's selling so well. Look at what's selling really well. That's what people want. So you've got to compete at those markets. And so even the 13500, that's more expensive than the 5700X. 50, 50, so it's not selling as well. So it's that simple. It's provide value. Now you look at 7800X3D, that's extremely good value for a high-end gamer. Like, wow. Like, what? Okay. Even if AMD releases another CPU, they've got to compete Mm. themselves. This is what I was saying. These companies have to compete with themselves now because they've got a a price that people are willing to pay for a certain product. And they're showing that. The price comes down on the 7800X3D, it starts selling. Price doesn't come down, well, they just go buy a 5700X. That's telling you that people don't really care about the gaming performance so much anymore. They don't mm-hmm. care about, okay, I don't need 1,000 FPS. I don't need 500. Look at these charts. And it's just getting stupid. The FPS numbers are getting stupid now. So it's getting Yeah, I agree. You don't need, like, you know, I've seen guys on 120 hertz will just absolutely thrash guys on 360 hertz. And so it doesn't, you're getting to a stage now where it's like, okay, you need value more than anything. And so that can, yeah, you just don't need this, these ridiculous FPS numbers. Like, because before, five years ago, okay, you had like CPUs were struggling to do 100 FPS and then this one comes out, it's doing 140. It's like, okay, wow, okay, that's, we want to go for that. Because, you know, that's good. Okay, I'm competing, I'm playing games, I'm competing for money maybe, doing a tournament, I need that extra 40% jump. But then you're like, okay, well, my monitor's 240 hertz. I don't need 500 FPS. I just need 240 hertz. I just need 240 FPS. So yeah, it's not going to make a difference. 
It's funny too. I mean, if I may, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is, yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter if who wins by 5% at $600. If Intel can't launch something that beats the 8800X3D at 400, no one cares. Like that's what's Mm going to matter. Yep. That's exactly right, my man. That's it. So they got to do that. Like they've just got to value, values everything now. And that's like how I've always liked the tech. I've always looked at tech products. What am I getting? What am I paying and what am I getting? I've always been that way. But I think now, mm-hmm. if from, especially from last, midway last year, more people are sort of coming in line with my sort of train of thinking. And so that's, yeah, I guess maybe that's why your episode was the most popular. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just, I, I love value. And the market in general is shifting towards value is the highest priority. Over all the marketing, over all the 5%, 10% on the charts. I mean, look, if the 7900 XTX didn't have any issues, didn't have any issues, and it was more efficient, I think it would have been a much better selling card. Well, it's actually it? selling very well. It's actually wildly outselling their predecessor. Uh, I'm just, it is. It is outselling their predecessor. And I, I think, think it's because it's, it's... Is that in a, just in the US or is that all around the globe? Because I'm not... It's globally. People I it, talk to can't keep it in stock. Now, granted, I think in Asia, NVIDIA is better regarded, but yeah. I mean, it's in their earnings. It's selling very well. Okay, because I pull up chart, like everyone I speak to here, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a different story here. And as well as in Japan, I can actually pull up the numbers live and see them. And so, like, if you look at your 7900, is it the XT or the XTX? Which one are you... The XT sold bad at first for obvious reasons, but it's selling well below 800 now. Like, it, especially, and they can't keep these things in stock a lot of the times in the US. Well, let's see in Japan, they're like, they're all in stock. And the highest ranking of a 7900 XTX is 40, which is really bad. I mean, that's Japan, though, you yeah. know? I mean, and I've I, seen this replicated in Europe as well for the most part, except. There is an outlier in Germany for sure because of how high energy costs specifically are there where people are just going for efficiency with like a 4070, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, but um, if I look at the 4090 in Japan, there's like two in the top 20 of selling cards. Mm-hmm. So the, the 40, no, automatically I look at those numbers, I can see the 4090 is selling pretty well. Well, the 4090 is selling well. Yeah, it's selling very well. I mean, for US retailers, and this is backed up in the UK and Canada... And yeah, mostly that'd be mostly what I would portray what I'm about to say as. Um, it's like 4090s always sold well. 4080, I literally had an AIB tell me we're selling 80 card in their history. Uh, and then the 7900 XTX is selling well. XT is selling well now. And then the 4070s always sold okay. 4070Ti's always sold okay, especially after they went below MSRP. And I, I mean, the, I'm pretty sure the 4060 and 4060 Ti are pretty much sales duds in the U.S., but in Asia, if they're below MSRP, especially the 16 gigabyte model, the 4060 mm. Ti, those are starting to pick up. And that's why I think NVIDIA's got the Super Series coming, because top it's selling well, bottom it's starting to sell well, but they know they need to fix the middle, especially in the United States. Yeah, so I think like if I look in Japan right now, 4080 is 1000 bucks U.S., and that's even with tax on. So that's actually a really good deal. Like, you know, a thousand bucks, people are going to buy a 48. It's actually coming in the top like 10 GPUs, I think. So you've got a market where the 4080 Super only really needs to come in at, say, 1050. And then those 4080s go a thousand MSRP. 
and they'll probably sell really well all around the uh, around the world. And then you've got the 48 Super there. Well, more performance. It looks more attractive. So they, they can fix their mistakes quite easily. And I think there's no rush for them to... Uh, well, AI comes first, right? Yeah. You know, and then I think they're... Well, so let, let's, let's talk about the four, RTX 40 Super Series then because yeah. it seems... Uh, I'm... I'm confident on this. The 4080 Super, it's going to be almost 10% stronger than the 4080. It's it's supposed to come in at 999. And then the 4070 Ti Super is supposed to be a, a pretty solid, you know, 14 to 20% boost over the 4070 Ti, which I think the name's ridiculous, but it is what it is. 4070 Ti Super. Um, I, I low-key like it, man. I'd, I'd get a 4070 Ti Super. That'd be the card that I would get. Well, it's supposed to have 16 gigabytes of RAM for 850 or maybe even just 800, like the 4070 Ti. And the 4070 Super, again, 10% to 12% performance boost, possibly at 650 or 600. So I guess the question, the obvious question, I think I already know what you're going to say based on what you said about the 4080 at 1,000. I think you think 4080 Super at 1,000, 4070 Ti Super 800, 4070 Super at 600 or close to there. Um, you think that's easily enough to turn things around then? I mean, their cards like their cards are already selling quite well. I don't think there's any rush for them to drop prices so much. But of course, I, I could be wrong. But I think you'll get just more VRAM. I think you'll get a bit more VRAM, and you'll get like the 4070 Ti Super. The reason I see it actually selling quite well is because it reminds me of the 2070 Super, and that sold mm-hmm. quite well. And that's as you're getting that like 4080 for a T, you know, 4070 Ti price. And I think a lot of the market's going to look at that. And again, the customer's not stupid now. They're going to look at what they're getting for their dollar. Be like, well, that's the NVIDIA card to get on the high end. Uh, the 4080 Super is really not, even though it'll perform quite well, I just think it's, I think it's not going to sell anywhere near as good as the 4070 Ti Super. Yeah, and, I agree. And so that will be the card to look at for me personally. I'm going to look, okay, if you can get an extra 10% with more VRAM for a similar price, that's going to make the 4070 Ti super quite attractive, I think. It's going to be a quite attractive card. And then you've got the, uh, maybe the 4080 super will be like 7 or 8%. Usually that, you know, Nvidia yeah. just sort of just gives you a little bit more on those kinds of cards. Well, the biggest deal is they're dropping the MSRP by 20%. And yes. And then if they drop the MSRP to, yeah, I mean, it might be $100 too. They might come out at $1,100 and it's just a, it's got a performance boost and sort of that like, then allows them to get rid of the 4080s at a thousand because there's no you're not going to buy a you're going to buy a 4080 when a 4080 Super exists at around the same price. So I can already see the prices dropping of 4080s. Actually, it's quite interesting. So I see maybe that card could be 1100 4080 Super, and so it, rather than a thousand, then the 4080. Well, I think. It's like the 7800 XT. The 7800 XT, if we're being fair, could have cost 530 versus the 7700 XT. But AMD knows 499. That's a number with prominence. It's the same reason they always want to sell consoles for 499. I see the same reason for 999. If you're not going to do 1200, you might as well just make it 999. From a paper, yeah. If they do the paper thing, like oh, they're going to be from 999, but then most of them are realistically 1100. I do see that as like mm. more of actually that's probably the, the best case scenario now that I think about that. Yeah. So you probably see that nine 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 point come in. It's such a hard hitting point versus ten. It's just it is what it is, right? Like yeah. either you're gonna go for it or you might as well keep it at twelve hundred in my opinion. 
Yeah, but again, pricing's everything. So they Nvidia knows if they if they want to move silicon, that's another thing. Do they actually want to move this silicon or do they just want to reallocate it to AI? Like what's their goal? And so that all in that all lies on Nvidia's intentions too. What do they need to be doing right now? Because they're not going to be going hard value with super if they don't need to. But if they, of course, well, this they, is a funny point too, though. If they made the forty eighty actually attractive, then they can justify sending more of the eighty one hundred two dies to AI, right? Like, and I think that's been a major thing. And and in fact, there aren't. I don't even. I don't think there's a. Yeah, there. I don't think there's any AI cards yet that even use eighty one hundred three. Like, so they've never even really disabled them below the forty eighty. So they've got all of this. If you look around at the actual eighty one hundred three products that are out there. They really haven't sold any heavily disabled cards to gaming and AI. So I think they've just got this massive stockpile there that they've been waiting to release at some point. And if they do use it for gaming, well, good. I'd rather sell 8102 for 10 grand or something to AI than waste it on a 4090. And if we give them a good 4080, maybe people won't complain as much. Maybe that'll be good enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always said in the past, NVIDIA is always the hardest company to predict their intentions and what they're actually going to do. Uh, because I just know so many people just get it wrong right up until launch day. So it's just one of those things where I can see them having just a replacement even, just the 4070 Ti Super comes out at 799 and then the 4070 Super is 599 and they just offer more performance. And then the 4080, Mm -hmm. I think the 4080 and the 4080 Super is going to be the interesting one where the price shuffle does happen a bit. Uh, I think that's where the price shuffle will happen. But in terms of the others, they'll just offer more performance uh, for for the dollar. And I, I think the 4080 Super is the most interesting because exactly what they do there, it, it could be where they give it a new name just to get around those uh, exports to China. Mm-hmm. That was something I was like, that makes a oh, lot of sense sure, too. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. How just have a 4080 Super come out and it's like, well, even a 4080 Ti or something. I, I don't know. So that... Yeah, but what, what NVIDIA does right up until launch day is, uh, yeah, it's exactly like what they're exactly going to do is hard to predict, but I do I do predict like a blanket sort of 10%-ish sort of performance improvement. And um, that's all they really need to do right now, to be honest, and maybe drop prices just a little bit, but um, that's all they need to do. Uh, what I want, of course, what I want is like, yeah, 25% yeah. performance. and We always have to say that because... Yeah. I can already see the comments showing up and going, can you believe Tom and Brian think cards should cost $1,000? It's not what I want. I'm just no. saying what I think will happen. It, oh, I want yeah. it to be free. So yeah. let's, let's, you know, it's <laughs> enough. Yeah. I, yeah, I want it back like that. We'll, we'll just reiterate, like, okay, I, I really want a 20% boost and a mm-hmm. 20% price drop. That's what I want. But I don't think what, they're going to, though. <laughs> realistically, what we're going to get and what I want are two different things. So yeah, don't worry. I'm always on you guys are sides, but I'm trying to, if people are there like thinking they're just going to get so much more out of this generation, they're going to be disappointed. That's all. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I always like to sort of like curb your expectations sort of thing. If you're, if you're thinking, oh, this is going to be the, the be all and end all, um, as opposed to the 4090, they had to get out of the crypto mess. When that was coming up, I knew that was going to be big. And so I was like, okay, I just knew that was going to be huge. It had to be to make a new generation more appealing. And so this time around, however, it, it doesn't need to be. So they got the AI mm-hmm. customer. They got so much different things going on and their competitors really aren't bringing it as hard as they should be. And so they don't need to give you a huge value increase with the Super Series. They, they, obviously, they're going to give you a value increase, 
but it doesn't need to be, you know, 20% up, 20% down in price. That, that, that does, they don't need to do that. And that's just looking from the business side of things. And of course, I want a 4070 Ti Super to be $600 and be 4080 performance sort of in the same realm, but it's not going to happen. Well, so speaking of NVIDIA's competitors, though, I'm curious where you think AMD would need to position things to keep pace. If, if let's, let's just say it, you know, this 1,800, 600, they're all 10 to 20% better, or, well, 9 to 20% better. Like, do you think AMD is doing enough if they put the XTX at 900 for 24 gigabytes, the 7900 XT at 750 with 20 gigabytes? Or do you think they'd have to go to like 800 and 700 to keep pace with this new series? No, they just need to fix their issues, man. Like you need to, like it's, it doesn't even get, like you're, when you're spending $1,000 on a graphics card, it gets to the stage where you need to be 100% stable. There needs to be no issues. And so when guys like me are making videos saying, hey, there's power issues with idle and stuff like at high resolutions, it's like, okay, what other issues are there wrong with this card? That's what the person automatically thinks. I just want the stable card. I'm spending a thousand bucks, two hundred dollars. You're like, okay, that uh, doesn't care. I'm going to get really good FPS in my games for my, my dollar. But when you get to a higher end purchase, you think about things a lot more. This is like back to marketing and the consumer behavior. You get back to that. The more you spend, the more you're going to do your research. The more you're going to make mm. an informed decision about anything in life. And so. Yeah, like you can just drop the price, but if the issues are still there, people are still going to scratch their head and think twice. Like they're not going to care. If something's got problems, they're not going to care. So with the 7000 series, 7800 XT, especially in the 7900 XT and the XTX, you got to fix the issues with those things. And I just, like like I said, from my research I've done, I think that there's actual hardware problems with those GPUs. I really do. And uh, I mean, I put one in my video editing rig and I lasted a day because their capture software was just backwards still in terms of what I needed to do with it. Really? And, I've never had an issue with it. What so, went wrong for you? Uh, so it was a recording and variable frame rate. It completely messed up the footage I was capturing because I, I love to use like shadow play on the fly with a hot key, just quickly cap stuff while I'm editing and get things Yeah, I support. do too. I have a 4090 in my yeah. system. And so when I'm using the AMD, I mean, I've got this variable frame rate thing and it's actually just choking out the whole timeline and Adobe and then things get desynced and I got popping noises because of it. Mm. And I'm just like, whoa, wait, why would you not add the option to just call it a, you know, CBR, constant bit rate and constant frame rate? So just add that in. Don't like I don't want variable frame rate when I'm doing this kind of things. I need just a consistent frame rate. And so yeah, I just don't have any problems with the NVIDIA solution when I do that stuff. And then I do. I go to AMD for a day. I lasted a day because I got popping noises and people are like, wow, this video came out weird. And so, mm. you know, people are telling me it's kind of hard to watch. So there's that. Like, yeah, that's just how it is, man. Like, I just tell my viewers this is how it is. And so it comes back to, again, those kinds of problems exist. They got to fix them. If they want to sell their product really well, they got to get guys like me to tell my viewers, hey, guys, I've used this in my main rig for a month. It's been flawless. It's been great. I've had no problems, zero issues. Instead, it's the, it's the exact opposite, right? This is what these companies need to do. They need to buckle down. They need to spend more money on it. We're going to get back to AMD now. We're going to focus on AMD a little bit. So what, are they, what is AMD doing right now? Oh, they're cutting driver support on their older cards. Great move, AMD. You're spending less money when you need to spend more money on your product and your driver team. Well, I so, think they're just coming out less often, which 
I mean, that, uh, you know, I think, um, I think, yeah, you know, if you, if I may say my opinion on the whole Polaris Vega driver support thing, if they release new drivers multiple times a year for them instead of every month, eh, okay. But if they end up not releasing drivers for Vega, which let's remember, I, I, my concern isn't Vega 56 from 2017. My concern is you're still selling APUs with Vega graphics. And if you aren't putting out drivers for them, that's unacceptable. So from my perspective, I, I guess let's just see. They, they put out drivers for Polaris and Vega recently. Will they put them out every quarter now? If not, it's becoming iffy. If it's once a year, that's bad. And if they just stop, that's really bad. But I think it's too early to say they're not releasing any new drivers for them, right? And, you know, just saying you're releasing drivers doesn't really mean anything. Like in NVIDIA's Starfield drivers didn't have any performance difference to the pre-Starfield release driver. This is a driver release in name only. Is You know, are they actually doing development? I mean, if you're going to talk about Starfield, though, like, my goodness, that game is just, yeah. That's not a game we should be, like, holding to a standard in terms of, yeah. Well, Bethesda's going to Bethesda, you know. I always thought it was hilarious when people were surprised about its performance. I'm like, have you seen any Fallout launch? I don't know what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's just like every other game, though. Like, I mean, AMD's getting it right with their new cards, of course, but you can't shun your old customers. You know, you, you've got to take care of them. And NVIDIA's still releasing drivers for GTX 970s. Like, that's pretty good, right? So you've got to continue the support. You've got to make people feel like if I'm getting an AMD card, I can hold this for five years and I can still game on it in five years' time. That's what people want, especially right now. And so that's one thing NVIDIA has going on is stability, man. They've just got a track record for stability. Everyone I speak to as well, locally, they all use NVIDIA in their rigs. They've all got the same experience as me. I've been using it for years, haven't had issues. And I've had nuances maybe, like with my LG OLED, that were mm. patched out extremely quickly. And that was mainly to do with G-Sync. I'm like, I'll just turn G-Sync off and get my work done still. Like, mm-hmm. So it's just like these nuances, and they get fixed really quickly on NVIDIA's side. But then come into these these problems that affect your workflow and you can't have that. And so that's the kind of things that exist. And yeah, the, the competitors definitely have to step it up. And so it comes back to the price on AMD. Yeah, they can, they can drop this 7900 XTX to $800, but man, their partners aren't going to be happy with that. Oh, no. Mm. Like you got ASRock and the other guys selling the you know, uh, Red Devil and uh, who's the other guys in the Well, game? they don't need they to do it on. now. Because they're selling okay, but I think when Super comes out, like the interesting question I would ask is, all right, 4080 Super, 1,000, 7,900 XTX, 800. Which one would you recommend? One is 50% more RAM. They're kind of similar performance. Obviously, the Super has much better ray tracing. If I was just gaming, oh, I'd go for the 7,900 XTX. Okay. So if that's what you wanted to heal. Yeah, I'm asking for now for you, for like if there's two gamers... Where do you think the price is where like the 24 gigabyte XTX versus 16 gigabyte 4080 Super? Like, where's that crossover? Because it seems like they're the XTX is globally selling a bit better right now. But all right, well, NVIDIA raises performance, drops price 20%. Does the XTX, in your opinion, for gamers need to be 900, 800? So, when you say globally better, is it like in ratio of nine to one or like is coming up above that one nine to one ratio? Because I know the NVIDIA cards, everyone I speak to, the NVIDIA cards are actually like raw numbers. They're selling much better. Like even a 4080 is out selling a 7900 XTX. 
It's, like, it's just not what I've heard from any AIB though, or partner. I mean, okay. I, I'm now I think it's different in China. I think it's different in Japan, but I also think the Japanese desktop market is significantly smaller than the American one. Like that's much more of a handheld gaming market. It's going up. It's going, getting better. The Japanese desktop market is I mean, Australia's increasing. huge though. Australia's huge. Like Australia has like the highest per capita expenditure on tech in the world. That's why Australia's got a big focus on well, tech. Te- isn't that's the population what, 20 million though? 25, so it's... it's Less than a tenth of, you know... I, I know, but... <laughs> I'm not hating on the Australians, I know, I'm just but we saying. still hit hard for our size. And you do, for the size. It's very similar in trends to Australia. So you've got these trends, like I just, well, from the numbers I hear, it's just that the cards, they might be picking up in sales, but they're still like wells below what NVIDIA is selling in terms of raw uh, volume. So I think in order for a 7900 XTX to, if you're talking about actually outsell a 4080 Super, well, that would need to be $800. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and again, I just, I'd like to have more of a, focus on stability like really come out and say like yeah we've fixed this issue we've fixed this issue uh, i saw on twitter the other day some dude saying that his browser is stuttering while he's using a 7900 xtx and it's like man no one wants that kind of crap on a flagship gpu so these issues are just existing and it's like i wouldn't know about that because i don't use it in my main rig so but you can't have that. Again, it's issues like that you just can't have. People don't want that. They just want a smooth experience, especially if they're paying good money for a product. And they don't mind. Like if you're paying $800 for a GPU, you're not going to mind spending $1,000 on a GPU. This piece of content is brought to you by the Zima Cube. Zima Cube is a personal cloud reinvented. It allows you to manage files, connect clouds, and customize your personal cloud in whatever manner you see fit with an open and modular design that allows you to customize your sovereign server experience with support for up to 164 terabytes of storage, 4 M.2 SSD support, ChatGBT AI integration, dual Thunderbolt 4, quad 2.5 gigabit Ethernet networking, and a 12th gen Intel processor at its core. Technology keeps evolving, and so too should your personal cloud. And you know what? You can support the channel by checking out the Zima Cube today. Click the links in the description to support Moore's Law is Dead and support us even further by buying a Zima Cube. If you or your business could use one, again, just clicking on those links helps the channel a lot. And honestly, this is a really cool product from a company that I increasingly enjoy working with repeatedly. Check out the Zima Cube today. So, well, so I, I think a big thing that's going on with AMD and like, you know, um, I actually, I'll, I'll put it on screen, you know, around here for the people that end up watching this, but there was this elaborate RDNA four. I think it actually has three code names that mean the same thing, but at least in the slide I had, it was Navi four C and it's like, I mean, this thing's a lot of chiplets and it seemed really expensive and really powerful, but it seems pretty ubiquitous that this thing's canceled and that they're just going to focus on mid range performance next year. I think a major component for why they would do that. Well, I think number one, the high end markets just not People want value right now, so they realize that. But on the other hand, I think they realize that they need to catch up in DLSS. They need to catch up in, as well, everything when it comes to software, or there's really not a point in selling something for two grand because no one's going to buy something worth $2,000 if it doesn't have all the features you would expect to work perfectly in a $2,000 product. Right. And so 
I think that's what they're doing with RDNA four to like kind of get into like, and I'm kind of curious what you think about that strategy from them where they're like, maybe we should just focus on a few great products in the mid range, make our software better. And then, and then maybe we can go for the high end again, but it feels like with RDNA three, they realize they're biting off a bit more than they can chew. Well, there's that. Well, that goes back to the value, right? If we talk about value, uh, this, it's not just your FPS for your, for your dollar. Like a lot of people looking past that. So a big one for me is people come on, they, they test out the PC. If it's an RTX, they're like, whoa, reflex. I want reflex. I want reflex. So the NVIDIA have got that, you know, but, uh, DLSS isn't spoken about so much when I sell gaming PCs, but reflex is definitely a big one for the kids that want to play Fortnite and compete and stuff like that. So they've got that right. And that differentiates them on top of all the other things. So it's like AMD, and then you look at AMD. They recently had this anti-lag 2 controversy mm. where people are getting VAC banned on Steam. Like, guys, you really didn't need that marketing for your brand. So you got a 7900 XTX and you're getting banned while you're playing your game, trying to get lower input latency. Like, these kinds of things are really... AMD, again, they need to... Like, whatever they do, they just need to get their software. They need to get the whole package... Absolutely. Right, or there's no point in going for the ultra high end unless they've got their software in order. That's what Absolutely. I'm saying. I think they realize that too now. Mm. So what, are they admitting then by not going for that? They're just, okay, guys, we're just going to release a well, mediocre I- product and it's going to have mediocre support. So what message are you sending to? And this is, goes back to what I was saying, back to Intel and AMD on their GPU divisions. They need to go the opposite route. They need to just go hard. But they need to rework their team if they're having issues. They need to spend money where money needs to be spent. Otherwise, they're just going to lose sales to NVIDIA. Well, so let me put this on screen right now, too. Um, and this is something, this isn't, frankly, from my perspective, that new. But, you know, in the middle of the night, I had someone reach out to me with firm confidence, kind of backing up what's really already been rumored, but that, like, RDNA 4, probably late next year, is aiming for... Better than the 7900 XT, probably not as good as the 4080 Super, but you know, it's early. So somewhere in that high end range and targeting 400 to $600. If that got, like, and I think, I guess let's just, let's just assume, let's just assume FSR is in a better space. Their software is in a better space. They stop doing anti-lag plus like blunders and they bring let's just call it 4080 performance to $500. I'm curious if you think that's more interesting than if they tried to beat the 4090 for 1200. Because I'll just be honest, I think it's more interesting to bring for high-end performance to the mid-range because I don't think any of these games are going to be that interesting unless developers know everyone actually has a certain level of performance. I'm wondering what you think about that. Yeah, well, I completely agree. Value, right? We've been talking about value in this whole podcast, so that's where I really want to see things really shine. But again, value is not just your price point and your and your FPS anymore. Like especially now, the consumers are kind of waking up to it. Uh, they want more than that. They want stability and stuff. So it really depends on: Are they going to fix the power efficiency issues? Are they going to mm-hmm. fix that with RDNA four? Is that going to be fixed? And they need to address it. Like let's let's be honest. AMD needs to stop like quivering around and pretending these issues don't exist and just hard on address them. And this is just well, what it. would you say though about the 12 VH power issue though with Nvidia's Lovelace because I don't I think it's overblown. I think AMD fanboys make it sound worse than it is, but 
You're doing pretty the melting, much, melting connectors? Pretty much every retailer I know says it's not like a lot, but they do keep melting occasionally. So do you think NVIDIA the, needs to address that? There's the occasional one. And from what I'm told, every time it's happened, it's been in a case. Like basically, in other words, the connectors get itself is getting very hot due yeah. to the airflow being poor in the case. So. Well, we don't see that with any other card, though, so I don't think... It's a lot, you know. dude. It's a, if you're gaming at max 4K in a mid-tower and your GPU is dumping 500 to 600 watts, or five, usually it's around 500, I find, on peak, that's a lot of heat getting dumped into a little box. You need really good airflow in that case. You need extremely good airflow. Everything's going to get hot in that case. And I think that's just underestimated by really when you talk about the 4090. I mean, I admittedly, I haven't really talked about the 4090 much. Maybe I should make an updated video for good practices with the 4090 so your connector doesn't melt. But it's completely, if it does happen in, the, in those cases, it can, it's completely preventable. Absolutely. There's two things. Get much better airflow in your case and undervolt your GPU. You'll never, you'll never have a, connect, a melter connector. Uh, in the crypto days, when I did crypto in 2017, 18, I actually had a couple of melted connectors. Like it just happens from heat. It's that simple. Heat, man. Um, you mean yeah. the ex, like the uh, dongles? Those no, the melted? PCI, no, the actual PCIe eight pin connectors, either from the Corsair power supply or uh, to the actual GPU. Melted. Really? Yeah, because I have like I'm, six mining rigs. I've never seen that, and okay. and my Australia my hot house was hot. Okay, Australia gets really hot in summer, so these things over the summer they were just like cooking, man. And so, yeah, oh no, it was ninety degrees okay. Fahrenheit. So, so I, yeah, I had some days here like over thirty degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I. Yeah, sorry, I'm a bit of a noob when it comes to... I'll just check it for you, actually. 30C to... 86. Okay, yeah. So I had over 30. Some days I get really hot. And yeah, I just had some melted connectors on 1080 Ti's. Um, that just happens. So like, I know from that experience, it's like, well, keep the fans on the actual whole GPU rig itself. Keep fresh air coming in. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things I learned then. I'm looking at this sort of issue now with the 4090s and yes it's a similar thing that's happening i don't think those plugs have been engineered to fail in good operating conditions but yeah of course you're going to have some melt and it's a yeah that's a that's an issue for their 4090s uh, but again nvidia i would like to see them come out and do the same thing address the issue like just say okay this is like this is what we think you should be doing and keeping your hardware in good condition, best operating conditions, best practices. Like I just think a lot of these like companies just glance over the problems instead of hard addressing them. And you need to address them because there's people out there that will get frustrated and they'll stop buying your product if they're the victim of these issues that you haven't addressed or you haven't or you've just blanketed over with some kind of blanket statement. You know, I'd actually like to play a devil's advocate argument against that because I think they all do it. And I think you're right a lot of the time that just addressing it is the right move sometimes. But I think the reason you see these companies try to glance over everything is it, am I wrong? It does seem like people have a short attention span, though. Like, I don't know that they are making the wrong decision. Are they making the one that I think is the most morally right? No. But is it the wrong move? Because it's, uh, you know, I think... You, you've seen so many 
debacles go on this year with like, oh, this driver release. Oh, can you believe they're not supporting this? And then it, in a week, no one's talking about it anymore. Well, that's the dynamic that's changing in the market. That's what I was saying. The market is changing itself. The dynamic shifting. People are getting more smarter because they're having to. And so when that happens, you appreciate being morally right with a company as opposed to when money's easy. Oh, is that problem? Who cares? Let it fly. That's not mm. happening anymore. That's not happening anymore. So again, these companies, whether they like it or not, they're going to be morals and, and what's best for business. They're going to be doing the same thing going forward. So you have to do what's right now. Otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, the smart consumer who was previously, I think, really dumb, especially if you look at that crypto boom and all the, is it any, well, is it any, uh, is it anything that during the easy money, the crypto price went up and then now mm-hmm. the crypto prices are going down again. It's just the, the smart money and the dumb money, the dumb money left the building. Now you're left with the smart money and that makes much smarter decisions. And what comes into that? Well, if I'm looking at a product and I'm buying a product, I just from a personal point of view, I'm going to be looking at everything. I'm going to, especially if it's a GPU, I'm going to be looking at what features it has, what efficiency it's got, what problems the company's had, especially recently. And I'm going to say, how, have they addressed those problems? Have they fixed those issues? Especially, right? If you're going to buy a car, let's just take a car, for example, and you're going to buy a car that had, say, a melting battery. Are you going to buy that car if they didn't there address have been the some melting cars ba- that did if, have that. <laughs> if they didn't address the melting battery and what they're doing about it and all the steps that they're taking and if the issue still exists are you going to go and buy that car? I'm not. Like I'm just zero chance I'm buying it if they haven't addressed it and fixed it. Right? So Well, to bring this full circle then I mean, I guess let me put a uh button or like close up the fi- the last subject I brought up though. Like yeah, obviously you think it's you said it's more interesting to bring more value, but do you think, do you think that'll be if AMD does get their software a bit better? If AMD does come out and do what you think they need to do, and they launch current high-end performance for mid-range pricing, do you think that's the right way to go? And do you think that would actually hit well? Like yes, it would year? hit extremely well. But again, whether they can impl- whether they can do it, whether they can execute it or not, it's a different story. So again, that all comes down to not their software being a bit better, like you said. I think it has to be flawless, man. In mm-hmm. this time, in these day and age, in this day and age, it has to be flawless right now. And you get otherwise, they're going to find out. That's the thing; they're just going to find out, man. And yeah, that's what they're going to do. I mean, the price is great. Prices, the price in um, the the goal there is, is fantastic. I'd love to see a four hundred dollar GPU that just really brings such hard value. But again, well, if it's, it's that strong, I'm going to guess five hundred. I'm just being honest, but yeah, you know, four hundred would be great. And I want it to be four hundred for everybody watching. But if dudes are still getting vac banned and random issues are popping up and they just so happen to have an AMD GPU, then it's the word's going to get around. People aren't people aren't stupid. Like again, the the smart money's coming in and saying, "Well, don't don't buy that." That's it. And, you know, on Twitter actually, on Twitter lately, I've been seeing a lot of anti AMD sentiment. It's actually the biggest it's ever been, especially mm-hmm. on Radeon, especially against Radeon Group. I've been seeing that. I observe these things as opposed to three years ago. So someone spoke up against AMD, it, it was like, it was a beatdown for that guy. So you see, the times are changing. So now people are like, well, well you know. I think it. they definitely, at a minimum, need some new management at Radeon, especially in the marketing department, because it's, I don't, it almost feels headless right now to me. If I, like, it, it's not like it's, I, in my opinion, it, it's really not all bad. And they're in a 
they could be in a good place if they don't keep making these. Like the anti-lag or really the most egregious thing in recent memory is uh, just how they rolled out FSR 3 was bizarre. Like odd. Like they said it was going to come out in 2024. And then they were like, oh, actually it's out now. Oh, but it doesn't work kind of. So like it, I, I think, you know, Scott Herkelman's leaving. I don't know if these are his mistakes. Some would argue the buck has to stop somewhere. But I think at a minimum what they need to do in the next six months is they need just a better, well, you kind of were saying this too, top-down strategy and communication. Because yeah. whether or not they're as bad as what, th- their marketing and communication is just terrible right now. you know. And it wasn't, I don't think, a few years ago. I mean, I, I can't speak for a company that I don't know how the inner workings work exactly. Mm-hmm. But there's something wrong there for sure. You can observe that from the outside. And, and But they need to change their ways. But... It goes back to like their products actually, if you look at FSR 3, I mean, FSR 2, I tried that recently in this beta game, the finals. I was actually really impressed with FSR 2 in that game. I think it's underrated. DLSS is better, but I think FSR is underrated. Yeah, and so FSR 2 was actually starting to get really good. And so as a marketing, as a company that does marketing, why don't they like push out some sponsored dollars to YouTubers or other people Mm. and say, hey, our product, we're really confident in it now. Uh, let's show the world sort of thing. And so I, I was actually pleasantly surprised with FSR 2 in the finals. I was like, wow, AMD, keep doing this. Because again, the it works on a GTX 1060 or something. Still a very mm-hmm. popular card. So FSR 3, again, I, yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet, to be honest. I haven't even tried it yet. I will get around mm-hmm. to it. But, you know, they need to, if that's the thing, if they're launching these products and it doesn't work properly, Delay it. Why? Why release it so soon? Like again, who's I agree. Dis- I think. I think maybe they shouldn't have launched RDNA three until this year because they had all this RDNA two stuff to get rid of. Well, good. Get rid of it during the holiday season at discount. Then launch RDNA three. I really do think it probably needed more time. But they probably thought they had to, though, right? They probably had some obligation to launch in quarter. No, four, someone at the company thought they had to, and then they that person was wrong. So you don't release yeah. broken products, especially now, man. Like, look at the anti-lag 2 thing. People just laughing at AMD or anti-lag plus. But, like, you look at that and people are just laughing at AMD. A lot of people are laughing at them. And it's like, they don't need that right now. They need to do the opposite. They need to say, hey, but AMD's doing really well. I might give them a chance on my next GPU. That's what they need people to say. And they need that sentiment to run back in. They need people to say, you know, kids to go to school and I got an RTX card. Well, mate, I got an RT- I got an NVIDIA, I got an AMD card, Radeon card, and it's, it's much better value. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But instead, the kids are going to school. I got an RTX card. Well, I got an AMD card. I'm, I'm getting VAC banned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so again, it goes back to all these things, man. Like you've got to think of everything. Got to think of word of mouth. Right now, AMD and in, uh, Intel on their GPU is just taking an absolute beat down from NVIDIA in terms of word of mouth. And reputation and positive experiences with those cards and people what people purchase so i want to bring that up though because i i want to ask a question a very specific way what does in your opinion and again this is just hypothetically what do you think what does battle mage need to do let's say it came out late next year uh what does it need to do to be successful because i think things are so stacked right now kind of against arc that it's it's hard for me to come up with a way but like what what do you, let's call it the B770. What does it need to be? What does it need to cost? And yeah, like go on. Battle Mage needs to be like, honestly, it needs to be a loss leader product. 
It needs to mm. come in with such hard value where they're just saying, look, we're going to scrap our margins because we're going to make a bang. And again, the drivers need to be flawless. Everything needs to be overall extremely good for this card to actually make a dent. And I just don't see that happening. Not under Pat Gelsinger. Then mm. there needs to be right now with Arc, there needs to be not just with Arc, but Intel in general, there needs to be sacrifice. That's what there needs to be. And I don't Do you see think it. they can afford to do that though, right now? Well, they have to. They have to. They have to. And so it's either they do it now and face the pain now, or they're just gonna have a slow death. Mm. Like so they need to get back into the game. But again, I think with Battle Mage, of course, it comes down to innovation. So that's the biggest thing. Same with their CPUs. The innovation is the biggest focus. So if they can't pull that off, everything else is is you know, for nothing. So innovation's everything for Battle Mage and also for their new CPUs. So yeah, that's what they need to do first and foremost. But then after that, they need to look at a, the stability. And that's one thing that Intel, that's why it was so hard for AMD, especially in the server game, to make adoption mm-hmm. for so long. Because Intel did have that stability reputation. Oh, it's stable. You get Intel, it's stable. But then people realize, okay, well, actually AMD's come a long way. They're pretty good now. So, and they're much better value. I'm going to give them a try. So there's the, basically, if you look at, okay, back to gaming PCs. We look at and when I'm selling a gaming PC now, people don't care if it's Ryzen or Intel anymore. They actually mm-hmm. don't care because both of them are relatively stable platforms on the CPU side. So you see, you see where we're going with that? Stability is actually a lot too. So the fact that Ryzen... Well, I think, now, you know, if we're being honest, it's all of these things Intel did wrong at the right time for AMD as well. Like, I in the ser- ser- uh, server space, the security vulnerabilities thing that hit Intel one after another, month after month for like two years, years ago, I mean, that probably shaped three years off of how long it would take for AMD to take market share. Like, because just like that, not only was AMD competitive again, but also Intel was the one with all the security issues. And I think to this day, that's something that... It's like if there were three things that they couldn't screw up, but if they, if they just didn't screw up all three, Intel would be okay. All of it went wrong at the same time. Mm. Node stagnation, security vulnerabilities, and their competition being resurgent. And I, 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 I would say that's really the thing, too, with like the CPUs. It's, like, it's not just that AMD is doing better. Intel just also dropped the stability ball. At the same yeah. time. So what, that's why, yeah, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. It wasn't so much that AMD did such a great job on the CPUs as the competitor did nothing, really. So, well, very, did very little. So if you look at the GPU division, NVIDIA is not letting up. So again, Radeon Group wants to take market share. It's, it's a different kettle of fish when it comes to um, GPUs versus CPUs. So... Yeah, Intel needs to do a lot. Intel, basically, as I see it now, AMD's sort of right in the middle. They've got it easy and hard in some ways. Intel's just got it hard in all ways and mm-hmm. all aspects right now. And then NVIDIA, it's, it's interesting to see what they do. Like, are they going to make uh, focus more on CPUs now that they're sort of making their their buzz in the server and the AI industry with with their CPU side of things? So I'm actually really, really curious if we can get some sort of mainstream desktop in the works from NVIDIA on a CPU kind of basis. I don't know, but... Well, what I've always heard is Jensen's deep down 
he wants to be a, a CPU competitor. And so I can, he's going to try it at some point if he has the money to do it. The only thing is, I don't, I don't expect NVIDIA desktops to be ready to go next year. It's just like, we'll see in a, four years, though. I think it's going to take a while to get there, but he wanted to acquire he's going to try eventually. Yeah. What? He wanted to acquire ARM. That was, you know, oh, yeah. That's, that's big part of the goal, right? So if he can't acquire it, we'll do the next best thing, just work with the company closely. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, actually. I'd love to see some shakeup in the CPU market. would really love to see it and what's capable of doing. So that's actually one thing that I'm very curious about in the next few years is if NVIDIA can come to the, the game with a different architecture. And I mean, let's be frank, I, I, my, my love for Windows right now and Microsoft <laughs> is, is... Dude, this OS is just getting worse and worse by like the week it almost feels like you're preaching to the choir i i'm begging for more competitors um to microsoft and for all games to run on everything i mean it's just like it just feels like the telemetry is just a joke now it's just like this they're trying to shove force feed telemetry into everything and you just Mm -hmm. notice it with your desktop experience so yeah it's yeah anyway so hopefully there's something that goes on there in the process well so to steer it back though to CPU a bit. AMD's got Hawkpoint and Strixpoint next year, and then Strix Halo, Kraken, Escher, Fire Range. I mean, usually they launch like one or two APUs a year. It seems like in the next two years, they're going to launch six. And at the same time, if we just move past AMD, of course, Apple's got a bunch of new chips. Qualcomm's making new chips. NVIDIA may be making new chips for laptop. I'm curious. It's really two questions. The positive question is, are you excited for how many new APUs are coming to laptops. I think we're like we're finally seeing it happen. Both high-end, mid-range, truly powerful, don't need a dedicated card, 12 cores and strix, like powerful APUs are coming. And I think that's gonna allow for an entirely new form factors and experiences and smaller form factors on the one hand. On the other hand, maybe you've already answered this question, but how do you see Intel competing with six AMD APUs, Apple and Qualcomm and NVIDIA and laptop? Because I, I think that's where, if there was one year, if you were Intel, you didn't want a bunch of competition and client, it would be next year, but it's probably the year there's going to be the most competition. Yeah, so I mean, for AMD, it's like they've they've picked the weakness out and then they're really focusing on it. And that's, that's exactly what you need to do in business. So they're going hard where they need to go. And I'm actually looking forward to a lot of these APUs that AMD is releasing. And so they know they're gaining traction in the mobile market, in the laptop market. They know they're gaining traction there. So why not focus hard on it? Really mm-hmm. differentiate yourself even more from your competitor. Great move. But what Intel has got, again, I just don't know what they've got. What, what's their answer? Just lose more market share. Um, and so again, people aren't, when it comes to spending in their pockets, people aren't going to care anymore like about the brand. They're just going to care mm-hmm. about what's best for their money. So yeah, AMD is really making strides there. Um, so that's sort of where they're in the middle. So they're doing really well in that segment and they're doing really well in mobile and laptops, especially they're going to keep doing well. And so, yeah, they're, they're focusing on where they know they can put their money and they can get returns on it. But I still think it, what's their goal with GPUs, dedicated GPUs, is that just a spin off now? Is that going to be a secondary goal for them? They don't care so much. Just that's, Well, here's a, here's a funny thing i thought of the other day too is when you consider amd's launching like six apus in the next two years usually they do one or two a year um 
and this is at the same time, supposedly their top RDNA 4 card is going to be, I don't know, like a 200-watt-ish mid-range thing. To me, that sounds like, oh, also maybe they're canceling their high-end stuff because they're betting the farm on taking laptop market share next year. And they don't need more than that level of performance in laptop with this graphics card. Anything else wouldn't fit in a laptop. I can't help but also notice it just seems like everything AMD is doing next year is around taking laptop market share. Like, And it comes to their GPs as well. And if they stumbled with RDNA 3, I think they're like, well, good. Let's not do any more than we can do well. Let's focus on you know, mm. the products that will actually make us money. And I think that also probably plays into why they've canceled that high end. Well, the hand, the handhelds too. So they're having mm-hmm. great success there. The Steam Decks and and all these other uh, ROG allies and all these other things are having great success there. So yeah, focus on where it where it makes sense. And um, yeah, just you know, forget about the whiny gamer who's got vac banned. Just forget about them. Yeah, just focus on the guys who aren't complaining. I guess. I mean, hey, that's that's business too, right? Like, so or there's no point in launching a $2,000 product if you've just alienated the people who would buy a $2,000 yeah. product anyways. I honestly yeah. think that's a real factor as well. So yeah, exactly right. So if I, I mean, I'd be one of the whiny crew. If I bought a $1,000 uh, GPU and I got VAC banned, I'd be very like vocal about it. I'd be really pissed. So yeah, it's like, well, hey, like you just don't exist anymore. That's maybe their, their marketing strategy. But hey, these, these uh, handheld guys, these laptop guys, they you know, they're, they're great. They're great customers. We're just going to focus on them. So, yeah. Plus, I mean, plus there'll be a lot of pressure from uh, OEMs and stuff like that, right? So, hey, make mm-hmm. give us be- give us more, give us better, like give us more of this. Give us people love this stuff. Give us more of this AMD. Like, hurry up. We want to sell more too. So, it's they also- probably want a cheap AMD GPU to bundle with Strix, you know, next year as well. And if again, if they're going to have that good product that's bundled with that that's all they need right i I think i do think they're going to have a return to form with rdna5 if the money's there i think there's an argument that the at a certain point people don't want super expensive stuff next year too to be honest no matter what was competing with what but i think in the meantime they just realize you know that's where they need to be but well it's that time of year again the time of costumes family friends And of course, also eating lots of unhealthy candy and food. It's also simultaneously usually when most people are crunching to finish up the work they need to for the year before the holidays. And while you're crunching, that usually means you're also likely to eat other unhealthy foods in between those bouts of eating unhealthy food with family and friends. Well, that's of course, unless you eat Vite Ramen. This piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, including new flavors like Radiant Crab Roux, and also their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break that's sometimes away from home. Or they also have other healthy products like their Nano Boost Powder that makes any food at least a little healthy. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to get 10% off a variety of products from Vite Ramen, like special bundles for Moore's Law's Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes with their noodles, and other food products, powders, and utensils, and more. They really are a plucky, small, 
startup that has been really good to Moore's Law is Dead for years now. And I also genuinely like their product. So if you want to support Moore's Law is Dead, try Vite Ramen. And, you know, just clicking on that link in the description really helps a ton. But buying their product and using the Afco Broken Silicon, of course, helps the channel even more. Try Vite Ramen today. Yoda King writes in, he says, Hi, Tom and Brian. With the announcement of the Steam Deck OLED, how powerful of a next-gen APU do you think they'll need to release a Steam Deck to? And I think what he's getting at is I saw some comment from someone at Valve publicly. I think they said they want something like, I don't, I, I don't remember if they said an exact number. I swear they said they want it to be like three, five times better or something. And they don't see a point in launching this for th a few years. Um, my personal opinion is, what do you think they need? I mean, I think their opinion is they don't need to launch a new Steam Deck until they have something that does what the Steam Deck did relative to that generation, which is to say the Steam Deck's like kind of PS4 performance, but a better CPU. So until they have a 15-watt APU they can sell in a $500 device that's as strong as a PS5, I don't know if they see a point in making a new Steam Deck. Like I think, And I think that means RDNA 5, like 2026, is probably what they're targeting. I mean, it's pretty arrogant to come out and say three to five years. I mean, you, you're underestimating your competitors then in that space. So again, Steam Deck can do all they want, but if the competitor releases a better product, better price... People aren't going to care too much for Steam Deck. So I don't think they're threatened, though. The ROG Ally sold pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> like that, was, that was expensive, it. though. That was expensive, the ROG Ally. Really expensive. Every time I saw it on shelves, I was like, this is way too expensive. So, again, it just depends. if the They will care if a competitor comes in. Say, for instance... I mean, I don't want I don't want to say the like a brand in this sense, but if you have say the the Huawei's or the the Xiaomi's of the smartphone industry come in and say, hey, we can make a handheld, like we can really pump this thing out, profit margin will be decent. Why not? They start launching a handheld, Steam will start to care, Valve will start to really care. So Do you see that happening, though? Because Valve's got the economy of scale here, and then they've got the OS, and developers just literally programming games for the Steam Deck at this point. My personal opinion is I just don't, I don't see it happening. They can make a better one, but it'll cost $1,000. I don't see them making a better one for less. I, uh, you, again, you may be underestimating what the Chinese domestic market's capable of. And so I just think if it's going to come out of somewhere, it'll come out of China. In that sense, it will come out of mainland China in that sense, and it'll be hard hitting. So, yeah, they could utilize the new APU if it's got even 50% more performance. And if I'm seeing something with an OLED screen, 50% more performance, I'm not going to buy a Steam Deck. I'm just going to check out this thing. So, yeah, if it runs Windows, all the merrier. Because, I mean, you got to remember with Steam Decks, it doesn't run all games, especially natively. So, I actually kind of think that's its greatest strength, though, because Windows just doesn't work in a handheld right yeah, now. I know. I, know. I mean, there's still some games don't flat out work on the Steam Deck too. So there's there's hit and miss there. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I do see it all depends on competition onto what Valve does. If there's no competitors, yeah, three years time they might decide to release a new Steam Deck. But of course, in other ways, you're going to say that as well because you want people to buy your product now because as far as I see it, the people who bought the original Steam Deck just got burned pretty hard. Like the OLED comes out, it's so much better in like a lot. Like, the one thing I will say is I looked up when did the Steam Deck launch and it said like February 2022. I'm like, really? 
It's only been a year and a half. For some reason, I, my memory was this thing. Maybe it's just because people were talking about it forever. But I, sw- I, I didn't realize it's only been out a year and a half. But you couldn't like, even buy it for a while. It was back ordered heaps when it first came out. So, I mean, it's realistically been out for a year and a bit. Like, actually, mm-hmm. you could buy it. So then the OLED comes out. And, like, I, I was like, damn, I'm, I love OLED. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love OLED. So I'm, like, looking at that thing like, hmm, that's, that's a possibility. If I see it on the shelves at the right price. You know, so if I'm in Japan and like on a tourist visa, I get the tax off and it's the right price, who knows? Might get a Steam Deck OLED. But if it's so if it's overpriced, I'm not buying it. So yeah. Compressed Earthblocks writes in and he says, with AMD APUs outlined for the next few years looking pretty powerful. We've been saying this for years, but it seems like maybe we're seeing the death of low-end GPUs. Do you think we are? Oh, we saw that as soon as inflation kicked into gear. Like why 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 would you bother making a card where you're making no profit, no margins, when you can just push a two ninety nine thirty fifty? I think that's when you really started to realize what was going on. I mean, it was two forty nine, but realistically, the thing was at three hundred bucks everywhere. Oh, I mean, if that at first mm. it was like four hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think with the thirty, the launch of the thirty fifty, you saw the runaway from your low-end GPUs. It just wasn't feasible for anyone in the pipeline with shipping costs going up, labor, you know, minimum wage rises, all this stuff across the globe. People have to realize that all in the pipeline, there's someone making a cut on that sale of that GPU. And so inflation really hammers GPUs on the low end, especially on the low end, it makes a huge difference to the margins and the profit. So that's Mm -hmm. exactly why we saw a shift away from the low end. I wasn't surprised at all. When I saw what was going on at the supermarkets and all around me in terms of real inflation levels, and then I look at uh, shadow stats for like what I feel is much more accurate inflation figures, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't surprised at all at what was going on with the low-end market and why it was pretty much just completely abandoned. Now, I would just say, okay, you want a GPU, your low-end is, even though it's not a low-end card, it's actually a great card, it would be your RX 6600. That's, like your, that's your card to get if you want to get into PC gaming. And you want mm-hmm. to buy new, especially if you want to buy new. Otherwise, just look at the used market. You get some great deals. So, yeah, I think there was a complete abandonment on the low end. Complete abandonment. But do I blame any of the companies? Absolutely not. I blame mm-hmm. your, your central banks for printing up all the money. So, yeah, companies have just got to survive. But I think, yeah, to answer the question directly, I think there's been an abandonment on the low end GPU segment. Absolutely. So... A recent die shrink we did, um, uh, which is like the bonus podcast for Moore's Law is Dead. Um, we talked about the what both caused and what supposedly killed like the PC gaming renaissance. So, like that era from like 2010 through 16, where like I think a lot of people jumped from console to PC and prices were so low back then. And this question comes in from Dead Eyes 117. He says, In that last Dyshrink, Tom and Dan touched on the idea, on an idea that I myself want to double down on. There's been sure, though, although things have been cheaper before, never been a better time for PC gamers who don't have a lot of deep knowledge and specs for troubleshooting. Nowadays, you can buy a pre built PC with warranties, technical support, and often just expect it to work smoothly out of the box with minimal tinkering or problem solving. This removed a massive barrier to entry for a lot of people. I know a lot of PC gamers who know. Virtually nothing about PCs uh, or how they work. And these people would have been completely lost 15 years ago if they had to build a PC. 
Even if GPU prices are up from 10 years ago, isn't this clearly the best time to get into PC gaming? The average dro. And there was a bunch of other questions too that were asking like, what do you think about this era of PC gaming compared to like 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Is this your favorite? When was your favorite? And do you think now is a good time? Okay, so now is a great time on the used market especially. So if you're, if you're keen to sort of delve into not spending a whole lot of money and experimenting and stuff like that, I would definitely recommend the used market. It's, it's absolutely cracking. I mean, you can get a piece, a good PC built for 200 bucks. Like I'm talking decent. It'll play 1080p games, fine, and $200. And you can get into mm-hmm. that. Like you just gotta look for the deals. And so I think it's just, it's never been a better time to get into PC gaming in terms of value. Uh, absolutely. I think now's the best time than it's ever been. Anytime I've referenced prices in the past for PC gaming. I mean, sure, you got the high-end stuff there, but it's it's ridiculous. Like a 4090 is just ridiculous in terms of its overall mm-hmm. performance and what it can do. I mean, I, I looked at I remember I was looking at Apex on max settings at 240 FPS at 4K. I'm like, there's not even a monitor that can run this. Like, it was just ridiculous. So most of the games were just could not like even accommodate like the technology couldn't even accommodate what the 49 was capable of but outside of that look at what the value is around most of the games 120 hertz 1080p monitor and what you can get for that so there's never been a better time to buy in terms of use hardware but in terms of my favorite era of gaming mm-hmm. oh man it would be like when x99 launched and then you had x58 on the used market and the value so it had been around mm-hmm. 2014 2016 i just really enjoyed that era um it was just such a good era for just used deals in terms of what they could deliver versus mm-hmm. even the new stuff. I think the gap on what you could do with overclocked old gear versus new gear that was running at stock, it was just that was like the pinnacle of used versus new. Nowadays, there's just such a big difference because, of course, the product mm-hmm. range is differentiated so much too. You want the high end performance, you're going to be paying a lot of money for it but you can't really get a used product and compete with the high end anymore. Like, mm-hmm. so for me, that was just so exciting that, hey, look, you know, people would share my videos and they're like, look at this, look what he can do. Like, look what this guy can do with his money. And it was just really cool. You could build like a high end performing PC for like 300 bucks and people were like, whoa, that's, that's ca- you're capable of doing that, you know? Um, but now, yeah, yeah, my brother had an i7 920 and then he got a U, he also got a used X58, I think it was, right? Motherboard. And, I mean, you could. <laughs> I mean, you could get that. There were eighty dollars graphics cards, even or one fifty dollars. You, I mean, you could build these like. And this was the time when the PS three and three sixty were like way long in the tooth. You could build a three hundred dollars PC that so thoroughly wiped out their performance that it was a very fun time to tinker and overclock and do budget builds. I think. Yeah, that was probably the most fun if that's what you're into. It's yeah. funny, though. I don't think I would go back to that time, though, then, because I know how much things didn't work. Like, it wasn't weird to boot up a game and it wouldn't boot. Like, that just happened kind of all the time. You, you'd turn on your PC, wait two minutes for it to get to, you know, Windows 7 or something. God help you if it's on XP or Vista. It might take three minutes. Like, it... But for the time, it was fun. But things work so well now, I don't think I'd ever go back, is the thing. But it was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it depends, eh? Like, I kind of... I mean, when things worked, they worked perfectly. That that was for me back then. Of course, there was a lot more 
tuning involved, a lot more headaches in terms of crashing on BIOSes and things, especially to overclock. That was where I came into a lot of problems was when I was overclocking and getting the right settings. But I, I mean, outside of that, I never really had bad stability. I mean, if I wasn't using an SSD, sure. But once I used an SSD, I didn't have a whole lot of problems. Like, I, like I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy who actually enjoyed after tuning it up Windows 8.1. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I liked 8 a lot, actually, yeah, compared like, to the previous ones. Initially, when it launched, it was, it was bad. Like, it had a lot of problems and whatnot. But then, like, after you gave it a chance and tuned it all and made it the way you wanted it, I really liked 8.1. Even to this day, I wish it had DX12 support because mm. I would have been on it. Like I just would still be on 8.1. So that era just the had... snappiness compared to 7, it was so much faster. It was a cool, it was actually a really cool OS. I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah, I just surprised. I was like, damn, they're not releasing DX12 support for it. So that kind of sucked. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're going to try to force you to get 11. I mean... So you can be front and center, just like the taskbar. Oh, man. Yeah, like that's that's the whole thing. And so like I think the focus back then too, like the telemetry thing started coming in really hard from like 2018. So that era wasn't really telemetry. You know, everything wasn't stuffed with telemetry back then too. So that was like, another reason was kind of like my favorite era. Of like just then the games were pretty cool. That was when like you had... Um, you know, even I really enjoyed Black Ops 2 back then too. Like that was mm-hmm. when Call of Duty was actually kind of cool. And now it's just like they're just rehashing. Well, they're just rehashing the <laughs> They've same They've had good thing. ones, but it's not a good year. <laughs> now they're just rehashing the same thing over and over. And it's just, and they're just gouging people for it too. Um, so you just had, you had a lot of cool games as well. Like, I, I miss the yeah. eras of Call of Duty when there wasn't someone in like a rabbit costume fighting Jigsaw. Like, I'm just so sick of seeing that in online games. Fortnite can do whatever it wants, but, like, does Fortnite have to vomit on every online game now? Do they all have to turn into these surrealist Ready Player One things? Yeah. Can I just have a military shooter, guys, please? I mean, I mean, Fortnite's more like, like, my kid loves Fortnite, and I enjoy playing it with him, so it's kind of, it's good that that option exists. Like, I'm, I... Sure. And plus, Fortnite's made me a lot of money too. So, like, you know, sold me a lot of PCs, man. So, I like my. I'm not hating on Fortnite. No, I'm just saying not no, everyone I, needs to I emulate. Actually, it. like initially, yeah, sure. Is Fortnite my game of choice? Absolutely not. But I like low key. I just love Fortnite. Like in terms of what it's done for me, like it's the weirdest game because I don't really necessarily want to play it. I don't enjoy it that much. But I love the game because of what it's done for PC gaming if that makes any sense. It's just like, it's brought a lot more people in. It's, it's just, a, it was a healthy injection for PC gaming in general um, and what it's done. So, yeah. Well, I'm curious what you think about this though when it comes to some of the current PCs because, you know, I have a 4090. My brother has a 7900 XTX. I've got a bunch of graphics cards around here, different performance levels I've tested, but I put there like this mini PC that actually has a 6600M in it for my girlfriend and I was tuning it and I noticed that like 1600p even Hogwarts Legacy with a and a, to be fair a 6600m is base it's like it is a 6600 it's the same yeah. as I expect tested it out man it's the exact same thing pretty much I was blown away that that thing could play Hogwarts at like 1600p and ultra not with ray tracing granted but at 60 hertz and I'm sitting here going you know everyone keeps complaining about Yes, you know, the low end's gone and the mid-range is more expensive, but I have to say that just tuning a couple of settings with even a weak card, I was blown away at the image quality you get now. And I can't help but think like, you've still got a 
I wonder how you fall on that. Like, cause there's some people acting like you need a $1,000 graphics card to game in 1440p. And that's just not what I'm finding. I think you turned down a couple settings to medium and the, yes, these $200 cards are maybe a little weaker than the console, but it's also a full desktop that can play with a level of smoothness that, I mean, we did not go, people need to go look at reviews for graphics cards 10 years ago you were not expected to get a stable 60 hertz even all yes, the time exactly it's so smooth now oh i can completely agree man like i've got a 4070 ti there's zero desire to have a 4080 or 4090 in my rig zero desire man like i'm actually blown away by what the 4070 ti can do so that's what i mean like i i just don't need any other card above this like i i I'm actually going to try and hold out as long as I can now on this 10th gen and this 4070 uh, Ti for what I do. And yeah, I've got like the new hardware here. I'm just not passionate about it. It's just, yeah, PC gaming is like, even now I'm testing an FX 6300 and you can still play like Apex Legends on this thing. And I was like, yeah, you just got to look at the games and the settings and really utilize what you've got. I think that's, I think people overlook that if they're just complaining about not getting this and that for x price but what you've got now is is so powerful that's why i love the rx 6600 i think if you're a gamer mm-hmm. it's, that's why i keep mentioning it. it's like if you're a gamer and you're getting into pc gaming and you want a new card go get that card you are not going to be disappointed in any way shape or form especially if you're gaming um yeah so there's just uh, it's never been that's why i said before it's never been a better time to be a pc gamer i think if you're getting mm-hmm. into it or if you're upgrading from a really old system i uh, just don't look at all the bad like just push out all the bad news and focus on the good and there's a mm-hmm. lot of it there's actually a lot of it that exists at the moment it's just there's so much crap going on between you know these three companies that you you kind of a lot of people just focus on the negative when there's actually so much positive out there at the moment in terms of, mm-hmm. especially the used market which is why i like focusing on that right now so yeah Rannick 1982 writes in says, hello, Tom and Brian. First, let me say I'm loving all of your conversation this far, even though I haven't listened to it yet. I'm sure it's been good. Secondly, let me ask this. When it comes to building a game specifically for, uh, or I guess building a game specifically for PC hardware, oh, consoles being a somewhat distant afterthought, how much goes into planning for next generation of hardware versus current generation of hardware, even last generation? I guess, and there's another question that asked something similar. Let me phrase it this way. When you're building a PC for someone, how much thought are you putting into part of it becoming obsolete zero you know you're just building it for the games now mm-hmm. and not trying to guess ahead i'm building it for now man that's the only way to go build what you're doing like build for what you're doing now don't like the future's uncertain man you can run through like i've ran when i was a kid i ran through this scenario so many times and it just didn't matter it ended up being nothing burgers oh i get this gpu it's got more video ram and it's going to be irrelevant. You know, I had 256 megabytes video RAM. It's just irrelevant. A few years time, the thing was crap anyway. So I was like, I wasted all that time doing all that research. And all I got to do is look at the time when I'm ready to buy and I'm ready to upgrade. A, does what I have now can't do what I want it to do? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you get that box checked, well, then start looking for what you want it to do. And then start looking at the hardware that can do that for the best value. And that's my that's B. So yeah, those two boxes checked. I only build for now. Of course, there there are exceptions. Like someone will be buying a high end system, and they'll be like, "All right, do I get sixty four gigabytes? Do I get one hundred twenty eight gigabytes of DDR five? You know, for what I do." And I'm just like, "Well, 
let me know what you do. You know, you're doing, I'm doing heavy video editing. Okay, you're doing 8K video editing, you're doing 4K. If you're doing 8K, mm-hmm. you might want 128 gigabytes because that could really, t- really, you know, put a spanner in your works in, in a couple of years. And you, you obviously want this computer for a few years. So it's kind of different when it comes to professional versus gaming. If it comes to gaming, just buy whatever the best value is and what you want it to do for now because you don't know what the game... Like, yeah, I, I think as well with gaming, especially with the game developers, back to, the, I think, the first part of the question, I think the game developers are making a lot of the game developers are going to make their games for the now as well. They're not going to care about the future hardware being released. There's no incentive for them to do that unless they're getting paid by AMD mm. or NVIDIA direct. Like we saw with Starfield, that was just a, an absolute, like just a, a joke on what they did with the hardware and what they did with expectation. I think I guarantee you Bethesda lost a lot of sales on that game because of how poorly it performed. You know, um, I heard they, uh, I heard they switched APIs at the last minute too. Like, uh, actually, we probably shouldn't dwell on it too long because this could turn into a whole one-hour conversation about its yeah. development. But that game was there was there's a lot of it's Bethesda. I'm going to leave it at that. I think whenever someone's like, "Why is this having issues?" It's like, well, the call is coming from within the house. I don't know if you remember Fallout 76 or Fallout. Yeah. Like these games tend to have interesting so, choices in development. I guarantee you, Bethesda's game next game they release won't be so demanding. I guarantee you that because they're going to feel that Starfield launch and what the punishment. You would hope so by now, man. I mean, it's well, been how got, many of these games that they've well, like, they got a big paycheck from AMD this time, so it was a bit of a anomaly let's say to speak so to speak so it was a bit of anomaly compared to the others like in terms of it was a big sponsored game by amd how much they got paid i have no idea but they i think they really did this whole focus on focus on next gen hardware push the limits and it ended up backfiring to the point where people just on even decent like an rx 6600 or 3060 you just couldn't get a good frame rate like it was almost impossible it was like this is not what you want so I think back to that question of the game developers are definitely good. If you look at Counter-Strike 2, that runs relatively well on all hardware. It's doing really well. You look at the finals, that was a recent beta that had a huge success. That runs really well on all hardware. So it's, I think it's in the best interest for these developers to make sure that their games run on a lot of just budget mainstream hardware. And if, that, and if you build a PC that's over-spec'd right now, then you, it's going to last for a long time too. I think you automatically know that now. So it's it's sort of like the industry, the games industry is incentivized to do one thing as opposed to the hardware industry, they're incentivized to do one thing. And so they're actually uh, diametrically opposed to each other at the moment. As opposed to 10 years ago, you had the gaming industry because the graphics needed to be a lot better. And then you had the hardware industry we need to keep pushing the boundaries. So they're actually really in tune with one another. Now it's a, it's a different kind of tune, man. Everyone I speak to has the exact same sentiment as me. I don't care about graphics so much anymore. I want gameplay. Well, so Dark Side of the experience. Force writes in and he says, is there a cutoff though when you're part shopping? And we saw with Alan Wake 2, granted it's one game, but... That if you had pre, certainly pre RDNA one, but maybe even RDNA one and pre Nvidia Turing, the game really doesn't run pretty much yeah. like at all. Like, I've heard ridiculous so, stories about it already. And I'm not playing it. I'm not buying it either. So there you go. Like that's me. I'm but so person. would you, if you're building a new PC right now, mid range or higher, what did you say to yourself? Well, okay, 
maybe we're done putting Pascal and stuff that costs more than this much. If it's super budget, that makes sense. But, you know, if we're doing something that we know this person's going to be playing recent games, are you going to cut off GPUs that are five years old, though? Because, you know, going to this building for now or not, isn't there a certain degree, though, where you should cut off? Like, maybe, like, so if there's a $10... Talking, it all depends on your budget, man. Like, it all depends on your budget. Like, I always balance out CPU and GPU, always in relation to price. So if someone comes to me and they're like, well, I want to build, like, a 400 USD PC, well, I'll be like, okay, let's see what we can get on the used market. You be get a 3060 and, and a decent CPU in that rig. So, or you'll be getting a 6,600 and it, like, this is not a problem. If you get down to $200, it's like, yeah, we've got to use Pascal when we have to use Pascal. <laughs> so I'm guessing where your, bo- your line would be though, because let's say, hmm, let's say a 1080 is $150 and let's say a 2060 super, which is pretty much the same performance or it used to be. Uh, let's say that's like 180. Would you spend the extra $30 though for the 2080 super just to ensure it has oh, all the yes, newer features. Yes. yes. Okay. If you're talking like if you're talking those price differences, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they like, often are that small. And I've seen people just go like, well, I'm getting a 1080 Ti instead of this because it's twenty dollars cheaper. Oh, no. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I'm on the fence of yeah, look at the prices. Like one of my favorite cars on the used market is actually the 1070, but anything over a hundred dollars, I'm not entertaining that anymore mm-hmm. in terms of getting that card. It's like, well, why would you when you can get a you know a, a 2060 even 2060 Super, you can get them, I think, for around 160 US. So that gap there is like, well, you're going to get getting a card with DLSS support, reflex support, you know, and it's just, it's a much better card. It's mm-hmm. even more efficient slightly. So grab that and plus it's newer. So that's $60. Like even I'm more on the fence of spend the extra money when you need to, definitely. I'm more of an advocate of that. So that sort of question doesn't really apply to me in that sense. Um, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm actually on his side in terms of, hey, I want to push people into spending a bit extra, especially on the GPU side of things. And when it comes to CPU side, AVX2 is what I look for. And if they're looking mm. for, like, even then I try and push people from a third gen to a fourth gen Intel, just because AVX2 is there, they're not going to run into any issues. So I'm actually on both sides of the fence, always looking for that more modern solution especially getting the best value out of it so um because i i do i guess i appraise yeah more modernity and support and -hmm. stability and with that comes stability over just raw okay how old is this thing and what fps is it just say again for me fps per dollar isn't exactly the most highest metric i use nowadays because i'm flipping these pcs as well i don't want them coming back Mm-hmm. So that's a big factor for me. I don't want these computers coming back. And so the expectations as well. Someone's getting a GTX 1070 in their rig. Their expectations is they, they're getting it for really cheap too. And so their expectations mm-hmm. aren't that high to begin with. So if they do come into a problem with a game, they're, they're going to be like, well, I got this thing for you know X amount of dollars. It doesn't really matter. So it, it's, yeah. all, it's, all, it's all relative in the end. It all is all relative. If that it's sense. funny to bring up too, but like I, I forgot to mention this before when you talk about ARC. Like its major selling point is supposed to be price performance, but people who want good price performance are probably going to be playing older games. Art can't run <laughs> older games, yeah, so it kind of yeah. gets, it's like so. This oh. is for people who want to play new games. Okay, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. So again, you you've just raised another sort of um, 
sort of what opened another paradox's box of in like what the guys at Intel are faced with right now. So, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of problems. And so they've got a, yeah, I mean, we've already sort of, we've already, we've covered ARC. I know. Yeah, we've covered it so (laughs) much. I mean, they just, they need to do so much more. But it's funny you say 1070 for a hundred dollars. Right. But someone who has a super cheap rig might be playing older games. So that might be okay. Hmm. But someone who, uh, you know, again, not you to know, retread even, it. Even if, okay, even if the ARC was $100, even yeah. if, I would have it's, serious considerations on buying that and putting it into a rig. Because I know the 1070 rig is going to sell for what I want it to sell for. I know that. Mm-hmm. I know the market. I just have no idea when it comes to selling an ARC GPU in a PC, what people are expecting. If I sell it and it has problems, what am I going to face? See, I've got a very, I, I, you know, for my sort of what I do, you know, to quote Jensen, it just works. Yeah. And so that's my wallet is just working as well. It's, it's a smooth relationship. I find an Intel or a Ryzen CPU, it doesn't really matter. Get that on a good deal. Bang in an NVIDIA GPU, there's my flip. And I'm just, I'm happy. I know what I'm doing. Uh, if I go outside of that, I'm well. What's the risk? What's the problems? I don't want to even. I don't even want to bother. I don't. I don't want to be a beta tester there, because it's, it's gonna- funny you say that. By the way, because um, I've heard that like, and I think this is pretty self evident. But like a major selling point of Meteor Lake was supposed to be that its graphics were good enough to not have a dedicated GPU, but that means they want to put an Arc sticker on the laptop. And I've heard a bunch of OEMs go, no, please don't put an ARC sticker on these laptops. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a downside, not just to Intel's graphics, but to their ability to sell APUs as well, is that you put an ARC sticker on there and they're like, it won't sell if we do that. And that's why you even sometimes see them pairing, and they probably will, like low-end NVIDIA graphics cards with Intel APUs that really should be similar performance, but they want the NVIDIA sticker, not the ARC sticker on the laptop. Yeah, so now you're referencing potential augmented disadvantages. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what they're gonna face with. That's what they're faced with, and only in time uh, can they fix that. So it's in, that's on Intel, man. That's not on you. It's not on me. It's not on the customer, especially. And that's what I was gonna yeah. say. That's you don't need say. to save these companies. Let them save themselves. I was gonna say I don't want to be the beta tester, but more importantly, I don't want my customer being a beta tester either. So again, that's, that has its butterfly effect as well. They have a bad experience. They're not going to recommend their friend buy a PC off me. They have a good experience. Hey, I got a PC off this guy. Mm. Go ahead. Go ahead. He'll take care of you. Bang. That's what I want. So my, my goal is to sell completely stable rigs. That's my utmost priority. That's is to sell stable rigs that work. So Yeah. And that's why when people c- criticize me about used power supplies, it's like, you guys just mm. have no experience with them. You have no, you just have no experience. So why do I even bother listening to these comments? <laughs> because yeah, you can get really good value out of used power supplies. Just test them. That's all you got to do. Get good brands, just test them, see what, they work, see what they're about. And you'll probably even have less of a failure rate on used power supplies than you'll have on new ones because at least they've worked properly. So, mm. yeah. And I think like, that's especially true now, too, because, and I actually noticed re listening to part of the previous episode you were on. I think power supplies in the past five years have come such a long way, too, to where 15 years ago, where there really were some brands that I guess there still are, but 
There was a there was a lot more of a mixed bag I noticed in power supplies fifteen years ago. Yes, yeah. Well, the bad the bad actors have gone out of business in due time, mm-hmm. rightfully so. But then you you know you're left with the honest choices. But even then, I remember power supplies were like struggling to push it over ten years ago. Like even a four hundred fifty watt true oh, power supply was like the king ding. It was like wow, see Sonic four hundred fifty watt power supply. That's awesome. Or like now this you, 650 watt power supply is SLI ready with two six pins. And now it's like, you can't get below a 700 watt almost. Like they're so, they're so much better than yeah. they used to be. That's one big difference. I would say to anyone listening to this between now and like 15 years ago, by the way. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So power supplies actually have come a long, long way. So that's a really good thing. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all of the things that I had for us to talk about, by the way, uh, on the script. I don't know if there's anything else you want to discuss regarding these companies. We've gone a very long... We, actually, this this has been a long, long cast. Yeah, it's over two hours already. It's actually going to probably end up being about the exact same amount of time as the last time. So. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, well, I, I, I love talking about these things. I, I guess like a lot of people said, like, you know, you and Moore's Laws are kind of like contradicting or no sorry what's you you're opposed in terms of opinions and views and stuff and i'm like well that's even better if the viewers get the value out of our podcasts that's 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 really good right so well how are you going to grow your opinion too if all you talk to is a bunch of yes men you know like i mean i i can say for myself having people on the podcast (laughs) it's funny i mean yes man but like i'm not no you're not a yes man man. i'm saying oh (laughs) oh, yeah i guess there is yes in your name it's weird eh? it's just that's such a funny thing the irony there is i'm not like a yes man in that sense (laughs) well you have yes in your name but you're not a yes man yeah but yeah but i don't know i've never been afraid (laughs) to talk to someone who disagrees with me you know that's ridiculous you, you need that and you need to sort of if yeah like even your biggest detractors you want to talk to them and then yeah it's it's good conversation or whatever so i don't mind going anywhere and talking to anyone about any topic at any time it's it's fine uh except political you don't want to go there oh yeah it's just not often worth the time yeah (laughs) i mean like it's like yeah is it is it going to be a net benefit for this to be a subject with, you know, that's yeah. what it turns into. Oh, it turns into just an absolute, the good thing with tech is a lot of people are just level-headed. They can listen to what you've got to say. If they disagree, they're not going to call your names. They're going to just state their opinion. I think you're wrong. Some this people, why. some people will. <laughs> I find, well, I find most of my audience is like that. They're really good. They're really level-headed. They don't agree with me on something. They're just going to tell me straight up and not be rude about it. And they know they're not going to get a rude reply as well. So that's the good thing about what I, I mean, I, what I've garnered in at Tech Yes City. I really love that. And that's why I, I love to focus on used price performance because there really is no losing there. Unless, of course, mm-hmm. you get hosed, but that's on you because you didn't vet the deal. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, outside of that, I really love used for that because it's just a lot of open minded people, a lot of um, really good discussion. And so, yeah, with the, with the podcast with you, it's funny because like people are like, oh, don't you guys have opposing views on a lot of things? And he's more like pro Radeon, I'm more pro NVIDIA or whatever. I'm like, the guy know. who's using a 4090. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. Like I've never, I've said I'm really like, when it comes to this stuff, I'm pro consumer, really. That's all. Like when you dig through it all, and I'm sure you are too, you're here to help people make the best decisions. And I'd say more in the sense of, with your channel, it's more, do you wait or mm. do you buy now sort of thing? I think that's more related to you. I'm just like, well, what's the goal? Like buy whatever you want now. Like that's, you know, 
don't wait. Right, because those are two very different questions. Should I wait? And if I do by now, what do I have to get? I think sometimes people confuse those two a lot where, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I will say this too. I feel like more and more it's becoming there's always something better in a year. It's been a fairly consistent upgrade path for the past few years. Granted, the shortage is completely screwed when you should buy there. I think there were some obvious times where you shouldn't buy some of that stuff. But I think this isn't like 10 years ago where it's like, if I get Sandy Bridge, nothing better will come out for six years. I think it's like, you know, something better is going to come out. It's going to be probably 30% better every year and a half. And do you need it now or not? And if you don't need it now, why would you spend now? Yeah, but I think like in terms of my opinion right now, if you're if you're in the value segment on the mid range or low end, it's never been a better time to buy. So that's my opinion. I agree. It's just such a great time to buy. So as opposed to a year ago when things were kind of in the midst of crashing, I was like, yeah, just maybe wait a little bit. Wait till actually over a year ago. Now I was like, especially at the start mm-hmm. of 2022, I was like, just wait, guys, just wait. Oh yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I think you, you make good calls for your audience in that relation as long as you get the calls right. And uh, people, yeah, people keep coming back and trusting and listening to you and and whatnot. So as much as you know, I'm excited for like what might happen with RDNA four or NVIDIA Super. I mean, and the US right now, I saw I don't know if it's right now, but at least a day ago, there was the sixty eight hundred sixteen gigabyte on Amazon for three hundred and ninety dollars. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think we're getting much better than that in the next yeah. year or so. Like this. I mean, 300 bucks for a 6700 XT, 390 for a 6800, 16 mm, gigabyte card. Wow, that's really nice for the 6800. Yeah. I've never seen it at a better price, to be fair. Yeah. Maybe it's already sold out, but I, I don't think you're doing better than that. No, you're not doing a whole lot. Exactly. You're not good. That's one thing I always look for when I look for deals is how much better is it going to get? That's you. you so you look at that and you're like, like, it can't really get a whole lot better than this price. Mm-hmm. And so even in Japan, I saw a 7950X for like 400 and something dollars. And I'm like, this isn't going to get much better. And mm-hmm. yeah, it hasn't really gotten yeah. much better. So, and then I see a 7800X3D over there. Like if I was on a tourist visa, I get it for close to $300. I'm like, that's not going to get any better than that. So mm-hmm. there's the kinds of deals that I would look around at the market and pick out. And I can use that in a flip. And I know I'm going to make profit. So I'm kind of always in tune with another sort of market and that's like, you know, flipping. So flipping. So yeah, I, I guess I partake in this industry a lot and I look in at, at value all the time because it's, it's the driving force behind what I do. So if I make value, I save money. I pass that on and I get a flip as well in the process. I beat my competitors, whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's been a great, great market for me and to keep participating in too. So yeah, I mean, in terms of what's around the corner, though, I just don't care. I actually don't care a whole lot, but I'll make uh, calculated guesses. And I think if something's been out for so long, especially GPUs, I think that's where it matters much more now is GPUs. Mm. CPUs, I'm not that fussed on, especially when a 5700X... They're all overkill for gaming at this point. Especially I mean. when a 5700X can do everything I want it to. So I'm like, well, okay, 5800X3D or 7800X3D is not that much more now. And that will do, like, that's the best CPUs, pretty mm-hmm. much. So it's like, the CPU market, I'm not so fussed on. I don't actually, don't really care a whole lot about mount. But the GPU market's like, okay, well, this series, this GPU's been out for over a year. Maybe just start to have a look at what's around the corner, especially if you're thinking mm. of buying a high-end GPU. That's where it matters a lot more. As you saw with the 3090 versus the 4090. <laughs> 
that would have yeah. been the biggest blunder if you had gone and listened to um, Two Cents. So <laughs> you you would have made a really bad call, like if you had listened to that advice. That was that was some of the worst tech advice I've ever seen in in the history of YouTube tech buying advice. But um. Outside no of that, like, disagreement from me on that one. <laughs> I yeah, remember. Like, I think we both put out videos like a day after that it about was responding. Just, so. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that one. The good thing is that he'll go down. I mean, the guy's fine. He's, he's a cool dude in real life. Like, but I think in history that'll go down as one of the worst like buy, pieces of buying advice for tech enthusiasts. So that was um that was a funny one. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, GPUs. If you're if you're making a big decision on GPUs, yeah, definitely check out your channel and see what's around the corner, see what the rumors are. But you've got to understand, it's like usually every two years now we get a big shift. Like I think mm-hmm. that's sort of what it's it becoming is. consistent. I yeah, think it's every Fairly two years. Consistent. So you'll get a new shift, then you'll get a refresh a year after, like we're seeing with the super now. Then you'll get your five thousand series towards the end of next year. And so that's mm-hmm. a long way away. So you want to wait another year for a GPU, go for it. But I personally... But then you was, might be waiting another year for RDNA 5 and the Blackwell refresh. So there's yeah. always something else. And so my advice at the moment is buy now on pretty much get the right price on all on all fronts and you're not going to be disappointed. And so, yeah, a year's too long to wait. If it's two or three months or four months, even six months, if you're going for the absolute flagship and you can hold out, sure. But a year's a huge time to... <laughs> Don't buy on. the 3090 Ti for two grand. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah other words. pretty much. Yeah, don't buy the... Yeah, so that's the one. I That's why I like the mid-range. I think that's where... At the moment, it's absolutely popping off with the mm-hmm. 7800 XT. If you're a gamer, you don't mind some of the drawbacks there. And if you're like 4070 or 4070 Ti, I would... Okay, yeah, you're, you're only a little bit away from Super. Super. So... If you want an NVIDIA but if you card, but the 4070 you can sometimes get for almost 500 now. So exactly, that's where it's okay, I would say. Exactly. And so that on that sense, look for the deals. If you know, oh, it doesn't get any better than that, yeah, just pop yourself a 4070 for like early Christmas. So just have a look at the deals. Um, absolutely. Like in Japan, you can get 3060s for 230, 240 brand new right now, 12 gig models. That's not bad. Like really, I wouldn't be upset if I bought that card and put it in a rig. Yeah, which I just wouldn't be upset with that. So, yeah. When you've like, been gaming all Christmas with it too. Yeah, so, exactly, you know. right? And you don't have to worry about a super refresh. So, yeah, you've got to value, okay, how much time and, and enjoyment am I potentially missing out on versus should I wait sort of thing. And so, yeah, it's all But you relevant. mentioned me for rumors. Plug yeah. yourself. Make sure people know where they can find you, though, but you know, I, after listening I, to this. So rumors is not something I just, I don't, like, I... No, I meant, like, plug your channel. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more of, like, okay, I'm just focused on just what you can get at this point in time. What's the, especially used market, I'm focusing a lot more on that going into Christmas. I hopefully will have some new builds coming out, too, but I'm just focused on the gaming PC and everything involved in that and getting the most for your dollar. That's what I'm always focused at with Tech Yes City. And um, I, I just love doing it. So I'm always going to talk to you guys about used products, new products, compare one another, and uh, really just see how much you're getting in terms of value. And I, I'm going to keep doing it. I love doing it. So yeah, we're going to have a video coming out soon on Old Potato, an FX6300. Um, it, it's just because it's something, you know, it's, it's something that I'm like, okay, this really old CPU, just can you play games on it? And is it viable with, say, a GTX 1060 if you're just on a strict, really strict budget? Can you still play games on this? Like what was considered an absolute wash of a CPU back in the day? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the games are the games better optimized now and, and whatnot. So yeah, I'm actually so far I played Apex Legends on it. I'm actually really impressed. Like it's getting 90 average FPS. Like mm-hmm. that's playable. That's if you're if you're only got like a hundred and something dollars and you're looking to put together. A- I'd be curious how like Bannerlord or Battlefield 2042 runs on that though, because I'll, I'll give it, it a CPU hammered game. You know. Okay, I'll give it a crack anyway. But I mean, hey, it's so far it's like I can play games on this thing. So surprisingly, I'm actually surprised. So. Yeah, maybe the the DX12 and stuff is doing it some justice. So uh, I don't know. But even though yeah, Apex isn't DX12, I don't think. So anyhow, yeah. But yeah, in terms of all that stuff, I focus on just real hard hitting value. And I'll talk about rumors occasionally if they're big enough to talk about. Like if I feel like, okay, you really want to talk about RTX 5090 and should you wait and whatnot, I'll really go deep into that. Um and that's because that's a big decision, right? Based on purchasing. So as we went into when the 4090 was... I will say, though, if someone's waiting for the 5090, I don't think it's going to be cheaper than the 4090. So. Mm, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that until like yeah, yeah. at least another six it's months. It's a while away. Yeah, you're, you're looking at super refreshes and then they've got to sit in the market for a while. So yeah, you won't really see a whole lot of rumor talk unless it's on a live stream from me and... And uh, unless I get some really solid info from someone who will probably then get fired or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it's like it's not my forte. But I guess you you like having me on because I look at more of just the streets kind of view, what's really going on on the streets and and how. Well, yeah, going. and I mean, I didn't. I guess now uh, people would maybe describe me as a leaker. That's not really what I made this channel to do. Uh, I just happened to do it. You that's know, how and so, everyone knows you as man, a leaker. So that's I know. The, I've I've yeah, stopped arguing against as, it. I know that's how I know you as, dude. So it's just a leaker. So everyone quotes you on leaks. So that's just hey, man. If you if you're good at something, this is my sometimes not necessarily what you enjoy doing. It's sometimes just what you're good at. You know what I mean. So I just mm-hmm. like, yeah, just people like, hey, dude, you got to the used market, finding deals and all that, just keep doing it. And I'm like, oh, but you know, I wouldn't mind doing this and that and playing some games and streaming games. It's like, well, I'm not that good at that. <laughs> so it's like, you just keep doing what you're good at. So yeah, if you're, good at, if you're good at doing something, just keep doing it. So yeah. Well, you can find you, of course, at Tech Yes City on YouTube. There'll be a link in the description for everyone to find you. And then for everyone else, well, you're already watching this, I suppose. But remember to subscribe, ring the bell button on YouTube, check out Broken Silicon, your podcast app of choice. Give us a review. There's a Patreon with bonus content and ad-free early releases of episodes. And yeah, I guess that's it. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcasts, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to 
show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guest questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Z-Jets, Daniel D, Ian Clifford, Aaron Close, Jan Runner, Daniel Hyde, JC Ziggy, Brian Riggleman, MJV1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Nicholas Buckner, Jerem Ferriera, Valcom Alev, Jensen Wang, Andrew S, Gregory Sacker, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Hardforum.com, Chris Rich, Greg Ronchek, 3DS Boy, 08, Hal Buma, Compressed Earthblocks, Shredbird, Dr. Foreman, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Blake, Franco Frederick, Holden Moby, Jake223, Jake Martin, Sammy Malaz, Slicky, Jordan Simkovic, Stephen Hart, Julian Leak, Meat and Pork, The Boss Haas, Tim Robb, Panta Wenta, Travis Gooding, Stefan, Mads, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Roger Davies, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Groh, Immovable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, I should, Mark Raidmaker, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson, and Chrysantine, Colin Tadars, The Eternal Dreamers, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Zhang, Neithra Zink, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Hexapuma, Toka, Reginald Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Gaming Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, Loophole 35, Winsar, James I, Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I-7-11-700K, Jamie Witters, Joe Foote, Hardland, Slushboss, C2, My Sharona, Earth, Torres, Jansen, Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Himsa Gung, Tails2299, Me, Val, Verga, John, Venti, CZ, Sisyphos, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AC, Richard Cowgill, Win Wang, Michael Cozy, Dr. J. Mad, Alex Vega, Free D, Brian Wright, John Swin, Jola Martina, Kikum, Elbergun, Solarized 80, Thalo215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Renick1982, Jeff Johnson, Rowan Mikeki, Cornster671, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>